Grab your hammer so we can clear a path to the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies to the Realm Gates this episode are... I'm Davey, and you cut off my head, and I want it back. <laughs> and I'm Aaron, and that which is dead can never die. Um, today we're going to talk about... Is that a spoiler? It's kind of a spoiler. Um, today we're going to talk about... Actually, it's the opposite of a spoiler, because that's... Well, yeah. all right. Uh, we're going to talk about Skull Throne by Jake Ozguys, who it's pronounced, um, but it's a fun little short story. We're going to dive into it in a second. But before we do... Hey, Davey, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, just uh, just got off work this morning, but we had a, a pretty decent night, so uh, ready to chat a little a little uh, Age of Sigmar lore. And that's the fiction. Best, best thing to chat about. <laughs> Uh, did you dodge this? How long has it been snowing? I know it's snowing right now. Did did you get out ahead of that? I did. Uh, I uh, there were some plans to get out with the kids today, and I stopped long enough to fuel up the car. And I was like, it is awful out here because uh, it is bitterly windy and cold. And so I think we're just hunkering in for a day of video games and board games. My man, my kind of Excellent. day. <laughs> uh, yeah, right on. It, what the 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 real parenting success is to train your kids up to be uh, board gamers, so that they uh, they can they can uh, break into some of these games a little earlier than it says on the box. Sure, I can't wait. I, I look at those age ranges longingly. Um, I have a calendar just counting down the days until <laughs> seven to eleven, or I don't know whatever. Then, but now I got this baby. It's gonna. It, God, I'll be an old man by the time he's old enough to play games. Agony down, um, yeah which is not to say I'm not an old man now. Uh, all right, so question for you. Yeah. If you'd be so kind. Uh, tell me about uh, what you've been up to in a hobby, uh, maybe the last hobby that you've done, maybe a game that you've played, maybe a book that you've read. I'd love to hear uh, what, what you've been doing since last we chatted. Uh, I think since the last uh, Pocket Realm, um, I, I did uh, got my Grimwatch done, but I, that, that came up in some of the, the big story phases. So we'll... Uh, leave that to the side um i a couple books i read uh were cloud cuckoo land and uh this is how you lose the time war both of which i thought were super excellent and uh, would recommend to just about anyone Um, no Uh, and then hobby wise i'm trying to decide uh, what warband to paint next uh because i may end up going to uh adepticon for the grand clash there Um, the world still not on fire, but which, or maybe it gets on on fire by then. Um, I, I, I'm nervous. I, 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 two years ago was the first one I ever signed up for. Uh, obviously, it got canceled last year, got canceled too. And so, really chomping at the bit to go. I really got it in my head that I, this is something I wanted to do. And it, mm. it, it's weird to think that I will maybe not crush, but whatever the step below crush will be if it gets canceled as well for something that I've literally never been to. So, <laughs> I know a lot of other people have a lot more riding on it than I do. Um, yeah. Cool. Right on. Um, in terms of what I've been doing, so I think last time anybody in the story phase I talked about, we finished the Skate Wall Hunt. Now I'm working on ooh, what are the wolf dudes in Underworlds? Uh, uh, Snarlfang, Ripa Snarlfang. Yeah, Ripa Snarlfangs. Um, mm. I thought, oh, cool, it's only three models. That'd go quick. That's not how it works. There's just as much like surface area on any of these things, regardless of how many dudes there are in the in the range. So, yeah. Um, We'll we'll plot through, and then that'll be all. Every grot thing I have should be put together at that point, and then who knows after that. Uh, and in terms of what we're reading, I guess I'm, I'm reading still Paper Menagerie that we're doing for book club. Um, mm. Probably five or six short stories in that's coming up. 
next week, maybe the week after, I can't remember. Um, I'm liking it. I'm digging it. Uh, some some stand out more than others, but uh, yeah. so far so good. Uh, and it's, it's it'll be impressive if I even get half of a book read uh, for book club. So <laughs> almost unheard of. Go me. <laughs> I mean, again, if you look at the history of the book club, I, I I'm, I'm still in the green. I'm in the black in terms of books. <laughs> Uh, really riding those early days. Say, I'm really coasting on my previous account. Uh, but if that doesn't sum up Aaron, what yeah, does? I was going to say, coasting <laughs> on my previous accomplishments, the Aaron Bowler story. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. I'm not too proud. All right. Uh, but that's enough of that. How about we hop into the story phase? You want to you you take us there, lead us there. Sure. The story phase. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the nine realms. And our story here, a resident of the realm of death faces horror when chaos raiders come to their home. Can they survive and turn the tables on their foes? It looks like Batman T's an absolute close. I get it. Um, yeah, so we're talking about Skull Throne by Jay Osga. It's a horror story. It was, I believe, an Advent story from 2019, which is... Which is weird because we just got a whole new batch of Advent stories that were ripe for the picking, and yet we... Uh, cast our eye to, to two years prior to pick up uh, this here story. And actually, maybe that's a segue a little bit in terms of, hey, why are we uh, reading this story? Um, I've got an answer. Do you, do you have any thoughts on why we would have read it? Uh, only that uh, we kind of cast about a little. We like finding these. I mean, obviously, Pocket Realms is all about these short stories. And it had been a little bit since we'd done a, a horror one, so... Yeah, I think that's why I was feeling it. But yeah. uh, you had additional motivation thanks to your tireless crusading on Twitter. Yeah, well, it's, it's I don't sleep. I just tweet tweeter. Um, but yeah, I'll echo that in that like a lot of the, so many of the short stories these days are, are sort of through that horror imprint. And whether that's just because it's a newer thing or authors prefer to write horror stuff. I don't know. I can't put a finger on what the reasoning is. But like a lot of the more interesting stuff has been under that horror umbrella. A lot of the shorts that I've read even beyond doing pocket realms have been the horror short stories as well, which I never would have considered myself a horror reader. And yet here we are. Uh, yeah. but, and actually you didn't mention it, but, uh, you, you were posting up what all you've read recently. You've, you've kind of burned through a lot. Um, and that has something to do with, uh, managing infants. Uh, yeah. So you can feed a kid and read a story on your phone at the same, people can't see the pose that I'm doing. It's very convoluted, but, uh, and read a book at the same time. And it helps to have short stories because you can read a short story in the amount of time that my slow eater son uh, gets through a bottle. So, mm. um, so I, I was recently focusing on. Actually, that's a good point. Yeah, that would have been more worthwhile talking up at the top. Is that I did churn through all the Richard Strachan, Strachan, damn it, now I'm never going to get it right. Uh, short stories that he had ever, and he had written so many horror shorts that I didn't know existed. Uh, oh. And so I've been more uh, reading a lot of his more recent stuff. But he, he, I think he got it started is start with black library and a lot of the horror anthologies and i just went on after the other uh ran through them because i love to i'm a completionist at heart and if i can read an entire author's an author's entire catalog i'm going to do it um and they some of them are really good some of the best ones i've read which again is sort of a I mean, well, he's I right it. up there in the in the black library authors i think we've we've mentioned that so mm-hmm. I, I need a little more richie s in my fiction reading yes, okay i'm gonna call him that so i don't have to muddle through his last name anymore um, oh, yeah it was a softball to you to try and give you a, give you another option so. um, i appreciate it um so those are really good back to why we're reading this story i'm sorry sorry jake uh it, essentially 
there was a conversation among black library authors online about Twitter followers uh, and, and Twitter follower numbers. Jake was bemoaning the fact that he's got so many Twitter, Twitter followers. I don't know how many, but uh, I, I bet a whole pile of them. <laughs> but it didn't, it didn't feel like to him that any of them were buying his books. And I, I took that personally uh, and decided, you know what, we're going we're gonna to cover one of his short stories. I asked him, he said, Dude, he recommended this one. I said, okay, uh, and here we are. So I'll tell you what, uh, I'm not above getting direct influence from the Black Library authors themselves. Line up, my friends, and, and tell us what your stories you want us to talk about. <laughs> Uh, and we'll, we'll be happy to do so. Um, and it turns out I had already put, bought the story long before he even suggested it, so I was ahead of the. Ahead of the mm. So that's that. That's why I, I was all about it because uh, it was some some gentle nudging from outside sources. Uh, but from there, I reckon we can talk about some more W questions. Maybe we dive into the uh, the when. Do we have any insight as to when this story takes place? And you can't hear it, but you can see me shaking my head. Do you, no. have, do you have a when? Uh, not really. Uh, we just know that uh, chaos, corn uh, specifically, appears to be are, is present in uh, Shyish. Um, and I remember early on in some of the Realm Gate Wars, uh, actually in the uh, the Hunt for Manfred, right? Mm, um, yeah. There, they made specific mention of the hordes of corn worshippers swarming over. Um, large parts of Shyish. Uh, and so for no other reason than that is the last place I read that combination of things happening. This is kind of where I placed it. Um, but, uh, it, it could really be any time. Yeah, I agree. I got nothing to add. That sounds, that sounds about right to me. Um, but then we, from there, we, we, I guess we, you just mentioned sort of the where, uh, from there, you mentioned the where, uh, where's the story taking place? It's in Shyish, um, which obviously lends itself to the horror, stories that we would read about taking place there um it's interesting to see like you said you know there, there were reports of corn folks swarming over shaish but like it wasn't necessarily an inherent corn based realm in the same way that ashi was or in the same way that gyran was nurgle so it was sort of one of those left out not left out but uh left for the taking uh anybody anybody in anywhere in terms of the chaos gods could be uh, taking over it but um it's it's nice to see, or it's fun to see the different juxtapositions of why. Right, well, what does it look like when one chaos god is taking over X realm? What is it? Does it do they do things differently in Shyish? Do they do things differently in you know Kyran or what, what have you? Um, I don't know that this story dives too much into it, but it's just fun to see these these uh, factions or races that you know in different environments. Um, yeah, it lends itself to the, to the variety that is the mortal realms. So yeah, pretty cool. Um, do you got any where thoughts? Um, no, only that if uh, if we had a um, Shaiyishian academic, uh, they might be able to like take some clues from a, a couple of the environmental things and be able to place it somewhere. But oh, maybe um, not not particularly. Um, mm -hmm. It's on a coast, which comes up sometimes yeah. regularly in Shaiyish. Um, so very neat. Uh, all right, so let's talk about a who. So we mentioned corn. That there will be corn follower followers in the story at some point but not necessarily they're not necessarily the stars of the show uh you got any who thoughts we're sharing at the in the spoiler free section in the spoiler free section there's some there's some uh denizen of shyish uh and uh even that person is a little confused as to their identity um and part of the story is finding out who this 
uh, who this being is. And so I would leave it at that for the spoiler-free section. Nice. That's a good way, good way to put it. And, oh, God, since we were so close, since we were just on that on the cusp of spoiling some stuff, do you have any other what thoughts before we dive into our spoiler side of things? Uh, no. I think we've, we've covered them, the dubs. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the beginning of the book is sort of uh, abstract and vague, and it's really hard to pin down the what until you sort of get into the meat of the story. So... Can we do that? How do we hop, hop into our spoiler section? Again, we talked about it last time. I need to get a good spoiler bumper. <laughs> the spoiler phase. Uh, maybe I feel like that's it. Got in one take. They said it couldn't take. be done, but you did it. Yeah. Uh, what if we called Eric back to get it? I, I feel like he's got the great greatest like segue uh, vocal aspects. We can get him to do it. Um, he's still alive, right? Uh, he yeah. is. I said. Sometimes uh, we're going to spoil some stuff. All right, let's hop into uh, the story. All right, so uh, we are introduced, as mentioned before, introduced to a of a vague character, which is a vague way to describe something. But like, uh, it's it's a an entity, uh, an awareness, uh, something that seems to be drifting through life, on life. I don't know. Um, in Shayish, around there what was or is currently their home and so like we're, we get a lot of this inner monologue of this creature i don't have the words to describe it because you don't necessarily know exactly who or what this is in the beginning um and i'm sort of following through their dreamlike state of existence um david how did this how did this introduction to this character how did it how did it hit you uh, when you first started this story because they sort of jump you right into it uh, so I actually read this story twice, uh, it's short enough that, and we thought we were going to get this recorded several weeks ago. Um, and so I, I read it there and then reread it to get it fresh again. Um, but, uh, when I was first reading, I actually reread a few times. It's like, am, am I missing something that, you know, it, it was, uh, I was not sure whether we were reading about, uh, a, a, girl a young woman or uh or the ghost or spirit of one and you know because you know that you're in shyish uh you that instantly kind of raises some of those questions um and uh you know there there's some sayings they have you know i i crouch among uh the grass and become invisible you're like literally or like uh, and so uh, that kind of ambiguity was was uh, kind of a great hook to to grab you in right away. Uh, I I enjoyed it, uh, and I enjoyed thinking about like what if we did have uh, something from the perspective of you know, a night haunt um, that wasn't sure they were a night haunt, and um, and then you know like you both both options were were interesting. Uh, a mortal living in Shyish as as always a uh, hard thing to imagine as well. Um, so. Uh, I, it was one of those things where I'm like, I'm not sure which way we're going, and, but I, I'm looking forward to whichever way it goes. In some senses, I, I had no idea where it ended up going, which is <laughs> the point of it. Um, so uh, it's so sh- while you're sort of left in this mystery, and it's kind of a, a fun, different type of mystery, and that's not, it's not a whodunit. Like what, I mean, part of it is what happened here, but it's also very much who, who is this? That's a different type of mystery. Um, you're sort of following this character in and out of like dream states which again sort of lends itself to like maybe it was a ghost i think around this time she starts recalling some aspects of whether it's her previous life or her actual life um mm-hmm. she's she's constantly uh 
mashing up what is it she's taking like herbs from around her this homestead that she she's in and like taking them to sort of numb is it some sort of pain sort of, sort of some numbing some sort of existence i mean obviously she's, she's sort of drugging herself at this point um yeah. and, specifically and so with uh something from mergast root <gasps> Mergerd, mergast root um, <laughs> and uh you know and that also too much of it will uh paralyze or kill um so yeah she's being very careful with how much she's given herself sure sure micro so yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember because I I didn't read it immediately. I mean, like we said, I read it a few weeks ago. Does she, do we get those glimpses of like the flashback of what we think might have happened to her before well, her she, visitor comes? Yeah, she sees uh, three. She describes three kind of uh, warriors that um, that kind of emerge across the fields, and one's dragging an axe, and another is carrying a head, and they uh, one's actually dragging a. Uh, uh, a young girl and then she sees that young girl and it's like oh it's me that's right i forgot about this this is when they cut my head off and you're like oh you are a ghost and then uh and then she kind of wakes up or goes back to sleep and you're like oh wait maybe you're not i don't um but there's there's this uh that's kind of like the precipitating incident it feels like for her current state whatever that state is is uh is this uh kind of brutal decapitation uh, almost casual, right? Like the, um, you know, it's, it's not any kind of contest, but, um, skulls is skulls, I guess. So <laughs> bigger little, um, it's kind of, I like, well, I don't know if like is the word, but, uh, the, the beauty of being a Chayesh is you can, you can replay the image of your head getting chopped off and like, that doesn't seem out of place at all. <laughs> yeah. in the, the realm of death. Um, yeah. like in some ways that doesn't quite give you any sort of insight as to what you're dealing with here yet. Like just, it still could be anything when you see your head get chopped off. Like it doesn't answer the question. Whereas I feel like maybe it answers the question somewhere else um, or that it gives it, it gives it away clearly as to what, what or who we are. Um, mm -hmm. Also, while I think while she sees this vision, she is, she hears this grinding sound, I think like sort of buzzing yeah. through her head as well that she can't necessarily place. Um, burst with these visions and uh, sort of visual and auditory hallucinations or visions or, or, or whatever of, uh, you know, she even describes it as a, a throne of skulls. Um, and it's, it's the, the grinding of teeth, the grinding of bone under the immense weight of this impossible to see thing. Um, and, you know, she talks about, uh, a burning eye holding her in silent regard. Um, we are no strangers to death. We who live in his realm, I'm no stranger to death. It has always surrounded me, but this is not a vision of death. This is violence. And I'm like, okay, I know what we're looking at, you know, <laughs> even if the, the other things didn't do, but I, I thought it was a really cool way of presenting it. This person who doesn't know necessarily what corn is, uh, but gets, you know, so not like, Oh sweet, it's corn or Oh bummer. You know, they're, they're like kind of, it, it's a, it feels like a cool show, not tell um, mm -hmm. moment for me. So. Well, isn't it nice? Like, there, that's a certain type of irony. I can't remember. I can't call back to my high school English classes enough to know. It's, it's not cosmic irony. It's a, I don't know, whatever. The irony of like the, the, the reader knows, but the character doesn't know. Um, so whenever those pop up, you, you just you just feel so smart. Good job making me feel super intelligent. Uh, <laughs> Jake, oh, I, I, or it's the, um, it's the uh, Leo Di, Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's pointing at the TV. Oh, I know that one. Um, <laughs> 
So that's that's always fun to get. So I, think, I believe it's soon after these visions that she sees at the time where she got decapitated by um, what I think we can assume are corn followers. Uh, mm. Again, out of the mist comes, and sort of not in a bit, well, it doesn't seem as if it's in a vision, but maybe it is a vision. Uh, she again sees a, a lone uh, individual come out of those mists heading towards. What, yeah. What gives her the, the sense that this is uh, real and not just her recurring dream is that he's singing. It's like, my dreams don't sing, you know, uh, and he's, he's singing this ugly chanted song. Um, so she kind of uh, figures out that this is, this is real life. Is this real life? IRL. Um, and so trying, the idea is that she's, she's constantly trying to stay hidden or stay invisible. If she says, she, so, she's, so she's watching this and so she's kind of stunned a little bit. Like she's like, should I run? Should I hide? Um, yeah. She doesn't run and she doesn't hide. Uh, and I guess it just, it doesn't go into detail, but he just finds her and grabs her by the hair and ends up dragging her um, yeah. into the, the house in which she, she sort of been, <laughs> seems as if she's haunting uh, a little yeah. bit. She she creeps over the floorboards so as not to disturb all the bodies underneath. Like, ooh. Um, and I like to, you know, the presumption is that they're there from the previous violence, but maybe that's just how it is in Shayesh, right? Like, maybe, maybe there's just always a bunch of bodies under the floorboards or whatever. Uh, but then this uh, this warrior uh, kind of hurls her to the floor in the in the house uh, where she's boiling her big cauldron of mergast root stuff. And uh, then when he strides, not stepping carefully, he goes right through the fragile floorboards and crashes down below uh, and uh, gets tangled up. He's, he's incapacitated as he breaks his leg. Uh, so he's kind of moaning and groaning down there. Uh, and that might only be temporary for, for someone blessed by corn, but she takes matters into her own hands. What would you do if there was the incessant moaning down below? I just, I just wish he would. I just wish he would shut up. Uh, so she takes her boiling cauldron and just dumps it on him. Um, which, uh, and then of course he, he just lets out his guttural screams as he's literally being boiled alive um, down below. Uh, yeah. First of all, that's pretty. That's that's hardcore right then and there. Um, but what's worse is that's not enough to take out one of these followers of corn. So he lives through it, but he is in rough shape between his broken yeah. leg and his what scalded body. Um, and what was sort of his, I don't know, he was loud before he has been reduced to a whimpering sort of mess uh, down below, but it's clear that he's still alive. Um, yeah. But at the very least it allows uh, these two to have some quality alone time, right? So now that he, he's less of a threat, I suppose, uh, they can sort of chat uh, about the current state of affairs um he sort of talks about he's like wait wait we killed you we were here before about i think it was like a year ago or something uh how how are you still here and then she she tells oh i'm i'm a ghost i'm a spirit um she says am i a ghost am i a spirit she echoes his question oh gosh there you go i yeah. misread that um maybe i'm just so filling in what i wanted to be essentially <laughs> um, so yeah so she says am i a ghost am i a spirit so again it's it's it because of this now it's still unclear but uh I'm being, at this point in the story, I'm being led along this path. Oh, it's obvious that that's what she is. We're in Shyish. I feel like this is the classic, uh, classic setup of the ghost sort of getting revenge on its, on its murderers. Um, but, uh, after this conversation, our main character makes a decision. She decides, you know what? Maybe I, I need not 
uh, sort of live, live this existence anymore. I'm going to start taking matters into my own hands. And so I think she goes and grabs a spear. Uh, she heads on down. She gets a closer look at this guy. Turns out he's not even that old. Like he's fairly young. And how mm. surprising is that, right? We're so used to, you know, the, whether it's shaved head, big muscly uh, corn dudes, or they got big scraggly beards. They're intense warrior fighters. Uh, this is a, a sort of a younger man um, that uh, she finds down there. Can I make that up? I remember that correctly, right? No, oh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, Fall didn't finish him. The scalding uh, cauldron didn't finish him, but she decides, you know, maybe a, maybe a spear to the, I think to the chest maybe, um, is enough to end this dude's life. Um, first, just, first interrogating him to find out where he took her head. Oh, yeah, good point. Um, which then sort of kicks off the, the second half of the story, but um, it's sort of, it's at this point where we get that crossover from this, this previous life that we've sort of been following her through this passive, not even necessarily reactive life, this, this numbed down life. She, she decides that, you know, she's going to uh, sally forth. She's going to leave and she's going to, you know, again, sort of take her own destiny in her own, in her own spooky hands and find her and find her skull. So uh, what, what happens then, David? Where do we go? Well, uh, she's got her mother's spear. Uh, she has a bag with some provisions and her herbs. Uh, she hasn't uh, consumed her tea in a while, so she may be uh, less confused than before. Uh, but she heads off to the shore, and there's a, a monolith there that she describes with an eight-pointed star and then something kind of like a skull uh, stamped in it many times. And this is something that's not supposed to be there. Uh, the invaders brought it with them. You presume that the, something like a skull is the skull rune of corn. Um, and then she starts wading out into the water and she's still a little out of it. And then she realizes she's hearing the dripping uh, from the head she's carrying by its tangled beard. So she got the, the head of this, uh, this guy that she really put through some rough stuff back at her place. Uh, but she creeps up on an island um, where there are, it's an encampment of, of corn followers. Uh, and she Navy seal styles, you know, just eyes above the water through. Yeah, exactly. Uh, gets, uh, gets in there camped out in the skeleton of some great sea creature, which is, um, AOS required perhaps. <laughs> uh, but, uh, it's, it's kind of a cool scene set. Like this, I felt like this was pretty vivid for me. The idea of kind of a, a low island uh, surrounded by shallow water and this skeleton and these guys kind of brawling and scrapping and got their cook fires and scraping their, their flensing skulls and all that sort of thing. So uh, that's what she comes up on. Yeah. I thought it was cool as she was traveling, like she was like wading through the water. Um, she peeks out her head uh, that there's these eels in the water who are nibbling on her, on her skin, but they're just playing. They're just, yeah. they're just having their fun because she's, she speculates that she, her, her taste is so poisoned by the mergrass root that they don't really have any interest oh, in eating yeah. her, um, yeah. which is kind of neat. So then like, then you start to wonder, well, if they're nipping on something, like, can she be a ghost? Can eels nip on ghosts? Like what, what physically is she? Or she was able to use a spear, I guess, Night hunt can like grab stuff and stab people, but like you're still not exactly sure at this point. Like, what is this? What is going on? She she wonders, did did they bring my tiny like little kid body with its like head missing? Did they drag it to this spot? And you're like, well, but you're here. How did that? How would that happen? Um, so it's uh, again, it's such a daze. Even even when she gets a little bit of clarity, you're still in this daze. And sort of it's it's you get sort of this misty. Uh, like setting as well and you're trying like he does a great job sort of describing how how she's like crawling through the water and you're, 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 
even with her clarity, you're still in this dreamlike state. Like it doesn't necessarily clear it. You're, you don't feel any more clear as to what like mm. specifically is happening here. And I think you did a great job setting the, setting the atmosphere uh, for what we're experiencing here. We should say she has something of a mantra uh, that she repeats here. I think uh, early on she says, to live peacefully, we must live unseen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the piece that gets repeated again is to live peacefully, which is kind of a flip of a, a couple of things here, you know, uh, to live as opposed to die, which realm of death, and then peacefully as opposed to uh, the god of violence here, Corn, who's got a presence here. So that's that's the piece that she keeps saying is kind of in opposition to what these corn uh, warriors are, are about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what does she do? So she watches a little bit. We get, we get a scene that they're, they're beating on each other in the way corn barbarians do. Um, but what, what, is, what does she do? What, what, how, do we, how does the action start? Once, once they brawl themselves to exhaustion, she ends up uh, kind of sneaking in and poisoning the brew with her mergast root. Um, and then uh, it takes hold, and it does not kill most of them. Like they're kind of paralyzed and then as they lay paralyzed, she goes from body to body and spears them uh, and removes their heads, right? Like she uh, kills them, takes their heads, and then turns to the the uh, greatest of their number who's kind of sitting on some makeshift throne. Uh, she's got a, a cluster of heads, um, and she talks about uh, uh, having an offering, right? So... Um, and he's, uh, oh, and there's a cool scene where he's like, uh, you know, what vision is this? What strange, are you a demon? Come to me born in blood. Your kind are welcome here. It's like, <laughs> oh, if you're a demon, that's cool. Do your thing. Um, and and here she gets some, uh, some clarity. Um, she, uh, am I a demon? No, no, I'm just a girl. Uh, and this guy is like kind of working, fighting back against the paralysis, you know, getting... He says, what are you doing? He says, you know, don't you recognize me? You cut off my head. Uh, with your First of all, of course head. he doesn't recognize you. He cut <laughs> off, I mean, for, for him it was just a Tuesday. Uh, and here's her next moment of clarity. It's not my skull, she corrects herself. My, my sister, my twin. <gasps> like, ah, okay, Twist. we got there. So, <laughs> so uh, she talks about uh, coming and he... Uh, he says, you make of these an offering, like the, the uh, heads she's collected. And he's like, good, it's, that's how it should be. Um, and she's saying, I, I'm, I, want, I want my sister's skull back. In exchange for these, I want my sister's skull back. And he's like, uh, you know, if you get on your knees, I'll, I'll consider it. And she's like, no, no, you misunderstand. This is not an offering for you. Uh, this is an offering for someone else altogether. Yeah. Second kind of twist, right? That's not where you see this yeah. going per se. No, not at all. And so she, what she, she calls out. Um, she makes the offering of the skull. She calls out to the the god of violence. So she doesn't call him Corn. She doesn't know who Corn is probably, but she realizes that there's this higher power that's permeating through these events in her life and and the the, the powers here sort of locally. Uh, and um, she makes that offering, sort of a, a succumbing to the violence and um, succumbing to Corn, uh, and then. Does she hurt herself? Well, she the eye regards her uh, hatefully, yeah. and she knows like ah, it's it's all this, and it was still not enough. And she's like, I have so little left to give. But then she figures out what little left she does have to give, uh, and so she she plants the spear in the sand, and then uh, basically, I, I don't know if she managed to fully 
decapitate herself with it or just or if it's just a, a kill but she she drives it into the through her neck into the base of her spine uh and her thoughts are like cut off right as that happens yeah and he's, she's together again with her sister but in a pile of skulls well yeah it's gonna be hard to cut but in a pile of skulls, right? You know, it's not, she's not going to the classic Shayashina afterlife, but no, she's joining her sister uh, in the skull throne, uh, which I guess is better than nothing, I suppose, yeah. if, if that was your driving animus to, to get that uh, accomplished. Um, plus, I mean, skull, corn likes skulls, but like, he likes blood too. I'm sure she bled out like on the, the <laughs> sure. spear thrust. So, I mean, it's, yeah. all, it's all good. Uh, for for the big red guy, um, and that is the story. Like I said, I did not see it going that way. Yeah, um, really. But what a fun surprise! Uh, <laughs> Quote unquote fun. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> Weird definition of the word fun. Um, so, do you got, do you got any more story things? I mean, plot things that we want to talk about. We're gonna ask some fun questions. No, I think that's it. Oh, uh, I was gonna change it to so who was who was your all star in this story? I mean, there's there's not a lot of uh, folks to pick up from. Um, and sometimes I'll use this to, uh, to pick a person that I identify with or, or, um, made me think of something myself, but, uh, the, the first actual guy she runs into, there's, there's something we do in fire service, which is if you're going into a, a unstable building, you got to sound the floor, you got to pound the floor with a, a tool, make sure <laughs> okay. you don't go through. He, he did not sound the floor. He went right on through and yeah. I get that, you know, your mind's on something else and all of a sudden you totally goof it. It's really embarrassing, you know. And then someone of, uh, comes and pours boiling soup yeah, on you. Yeah. Exactly. Gosh, if I had a dime for every time. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, that that kind of uh, we'll call it workplace embarrassment. He's like, mm-hmm. ah, I got this real easy thing. I just got to get this this girl's head. No big deal. Whoops, um, <laughs> dead, dead and mutilated, and gave up my buddies because I got tortured by someone I thought was a ghost. Uh, so you should share uh, this the, story with your coworkers. It's a, it's yeah. a cautionary tale. Yeah. And I lay that out as like a, a, you know, kind of a slapstick thing, but I thought it was really well done. Like it was, uh, I believed all the pieces of it, it was awful and horrible. Um, but, uh, it was a, it was a really effective scene. I thought. Yeah. Right on. What um, about you? So I liked the, the main guy who like chatted with her at the end, like the last corn guy to, to die. Um, and that I like, he, he really filled his role. Like he was a devotee of corn that like, he just saw all his buddies get decapitated. Like honestly, given the chance, he probably would have done the same to them if, you know, over time, I imagine. Um, yeah. and he's like, we make an offering. Yeah, it, it is. That is how it should be. And it's like, all right, well, this, this guy knows his role in the world uh, and he plays it to a T. So I, I, I like, enjoy, I enjoyed that, uh, interaction. Uh, and then not to not to have two, but I, I kind of want to know more about the sister, right? I think there's a little bit of a blurb mm. in here about like just sort of the differences in, in personality, and I, I'm trying to find it again. But didn't it, you get the impression that she was sort of the more stand up for herself or stand up for the family or, or something of that nature? And because of that, she was cut down. I want to say, or maybe I'm editorializing a little bit. Even if that's not true, I'm gonna I'm gonna that's my own head canon about this, and it's it's sort of interesting to see the lengths at which the this the, the main character who is the sister to sort of go and maybe not even know what she's doing but just sort of rectify the ills done to her family and to her sister specifically um to her i suppose um but like i think we covered every character in that then I, the mom must be must have been cool because she had a spear right that's cool like you don't think of the major yeah. characters having spears that's, let's see what else do we got what did we learn about the mortal realms that we didn't know before did you learn anything um 
I don't know that I point to like one specific, here's this cool fact uh, or something like that. But I felt like my understanding, I don't know, just like it's a more fleshed out idea of, uh, or I don't know, maybe just the ambiguity of living in Shyish in general um, gave me some bits and pieces like we talked about, like are those bodies under the floorboards because of chaos invaders or is that just how you roll when you're in Shyish? Um and uh, so I, I think just uh, just not, like you were saying, kind of the change some of the the settings or, or something like that, and get a feel for how uh, different factions operate in different realms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's great to mix and match. I would say what I learned, and I don't know that classify this as learning something per se, but there is a Murgast root in Shyish, and Murgast. Have we talked about this yet? I, I feel like I'm talking about it all the time, like on Discord <laughs> with other people, but I don't know if it's been recorded yet. But Murgast is a term that permeates, um, I guess, the Warhammer horror line in Age of Sigmar. It, it comes up in a wide range of different stories, but in different ways. It's never. The, it's not always the same thing twice. Sometimes it's a like a town or like a city or something. It's like a location. Sometimes it's a castle. So it's not even a city, but like it's a smaller location, like a fort or a, you know, some other building per se. Here it's a root or it's a plant. I think at one point there was a street called Murgast, like uh, in one of the stories that we've read. And so it keeps coming up. And the question mm-hmm. is why? What what connects them beyond just it being spooky? Because it is spooky. Don't, don't get yeah. me wrong. It's very spooky. Um, but why is it? What is it? Maybe that's all this is. Maybe what I've just described is just its sole purpose is to sort of run that through line through Warhammer Horror. Um, I don't know, but here's a different example of Murgas that we see it uh, being used, and I want to see more. I want to see. I want to see the full breadth of it. Um, yeah. Maybe I should start listing all the Murgas out there. You okay? You you convince me? I will. I'm gonna write, sure. write them all down. Yeah, some kind of spreadsheet to keep track of which what they are and where they came from. Yeah, that goes without saying. And there's no better way to write. There's no way to document it or better way to document it. Um, oh, there's but, another uh, one for bingo. Yeah. To spreadsheets. <laughs> there, uh, there's a new novel coming out. Um, something hollow. It, it's um, kind of, I'll, maybe I'll bring it up later, but the blurb or like the little, little promo uh, introduction to it that Black Library listed makes it an allusion to Murgas there too. And it, and it might say, Hey, we may learn more about what this thing is sort of across mm-hmm. the Warhammer horror line. Um, now maybe they're just messing with us. Maybe we don't learn anything, but <laughs> perhaps there's information to be found in this future novel. I got to look it up. It has to, I got to figure it out. Um, it's called Gothgol hollow. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe I'm barking up the wrong tree, but I think there's something, I think there's something to be discovered in this new book that's coming out in January. It's January right now. Um, so maybe sooner rather than later, we'll find out. That was a long segue, but that's what I learned about the mortal realms. Did you learn anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, I, I think that covered what we picked up. Awesome. It sounded like you had another point. Does it fit into a different category? Or is it worth bringing up now? Um, it was more about uh, it was more about the liked it or didn't like it. Okay, gotcha. We'll pause there. Um, I'll say this: Do we have any recommendations for other stories? This book transcends a lot of boundaries i'm having a hard time even picture this story i'm trying to have a hard time picturing anything that even goes with this one did you have any thoughts or did it remind you of any other uh stories worth recommending i mean i guess the only thing i would say is that uh i it makes me want to read some more of the uh horror shorts um just because i thought it was it was very effective um and uh like you said um Richard Strachan's other entries, um, 
I'm, I'm going to go hunt those down, read them next, kind of double dip, get some, get some more horror and get some more uh, streaking. So get ready to get spooked. I'll tell you what, this is maybe what I would recommend is if, if this story tickled your fancy, uh, there has been a wide range. We don't really ever talk about them. A wide range of horror compilation books that they just keep put, putting out. I feel like they don't get a lot of fanfare, and they should. Um, mm. They're often mixes of AOS and, and 40K, but uh, it's worth picking those those up because I think it's a, it's a cost-effective way to get your dose of horror short stories. Um, so there's the uh, Invocations compilation. There's Anathemas. There's two, I, mean, I can't even list them all. There's, there's the Harrowed Paths. There's the Accursed, which I think this book the one that we just talked about is in the accursed compilation. And so mm-hmm. um, if you want to get your dose of horror, those are the, I think the best way to, to get at them. Um, the Richard Strachan, Strachan stories that I was reading, a lot of them are from those compilations. And I think a lot of um, Jake Osga's stories are also in those compilations. He's in invocations, he's in anathemas, um, he's in the Herald path. So I would start with them. There's way more than I even realized, which is, wild because i feel like i realize this sort of stuff typically um but give those a look-see and uh i don't think you go wrong i think you'll be happy with your decisions i think so oh cool so those are our recommendations maybe we do a little bit of a review davy what'd you think of this short story uh i liked it a lot um i'm a little bit of a sucker for an ambiguous uh premise that uh kind of um resolves itself to some degree and doesn't even have to do so fully although you know and this left uh you had to read a little bit between the lines to see exactly what was happening um uh, and i like that i like being allowed to do a little pondering a little bit of work um and I, what i really like and i i think what makes the horror setting good for this is like when you think about trying to live in the mortal realms like it is pretty horrible right like horror yeah, whatever realm you like, if you live in, you know, Gur or Gyran, everything's living there is trying to also kill you. Like, uh, it's rough stuff. Like, it, it, I think life is, life is rough. Um, but uh, what this did well is it, it brought it down to uh, really, I mean, I say low stakes. Obviously, the stakes were high for the characters involved, but uh, it wasn't. It wasn't like the fate of the realm or the fate of one of uh, one of Sigmar's new founded cities or uh, an entire Dawnbringer crusade or something like that. This was like one person and their family that was already gone and, you know, a, a little revenge story. Um, and I think I really like it when the stakes are kind of uh, dropped down sometimes. Like if, if the stakes are always all the way high, then they're never high. You know, like there's uh, there needs to be some some difference in scale and scope. And, uh, that's what this sort of story does for me. Um, I thought he used, uh, he used some nice, uh, he, he did a good job with his sort of metaphors and language. I thought there were some turns of phrase that I really enjoyed. Um, I just, I did like it through and through. So I will, uh, I will give it uh, two out of two decapitated twins. <laughs> oh no. That's not, that's a rating I never thought we would use. <laughs> um, check it out. Check it off the list, though. All right. Um, I echo a lot of what you said. Uh, I, like I was saying before, I, I, I haven't read anything like like this in, in the Age of Sigmar fiction. It is so far afield from, like, what, what you're used to. Even, I mean, both from, like, the AOS stuff proper and even in the horror like this seems to be set apart in some ways, um, especially as I've been reading more and more about it. Um, 
he does such a great job with setting atmosphere. Like it, it, it yeah. you just, you just felt clammy. Like you felt like the, the mist and the darkness just on your body. Um, it, it's, it's, in these days it's hard to like deliver a, a sufficiently satisfying twist. And I feel like I was twisted all over the place by the end of this, uh, story. Um, I, it's, I didn't see the twins coming. God, you always gotta, that's the thing is you always gotta assume there's a twin involved and then you'll never be tricked. Um, <laughs> but I really liked, uh, that aspect of it. Um, and it's, it's yet another, uh, one where we don't need big fancy battles to make mm. compelling Age of Sigmar stuff. Sometimes you just need somebody stabbing a bunch of people with a spear, um, who can't fight back, <laughs> uh, classic, classic Age, Age of Sigmar, but you, know, you can't, you can't replicate that on a battlefield necessarily. I mean, there's one other thing I remember. I, I like that, uh, talk about the stakes the stakes for the uh the corn worshipers was the way manner in which they died like the the one guy who uh the one i was talking about that that fell through the floor and then got boiled and had his you know was kind of stuck on a piece of wood he was like man i just i just don't want to die like this like for you know you're used to seeing them like bloodthirsty crazy go forward get killed uh the stakes for them isn't like I don't want to die. It's I don't want to die like this. Yeah. Right. So in some ways, this is horror for them, right? Like this yeah, is the the, sure. the worst fate that they can imagine. They want to go out guns a blazing or swords a yeah. blazing. Uh, and even for the guys at the, on, on the island, they're all robbed of that. I mean, they can take solace in the fact that their their skulls getting stacked up on a throne, but like that's the hit. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the thing I was going to bring up is uh, the idea that this is in kind of building up what you were saying before is that this is this very well could have been an untold story. No one. It's one of those things that like no one could have ever known what ever happened here. And there were a million stories just like that, this that are occurring mm-hmm. across the realms. Um, mm-hmm. But it's these glimpses like it's, you get a little snapshots of like this just a quick in and out sort of the horrors that occur on a daily basis that are probably too too numerous to mention um, that, uh, you know, are uniquely terrifying each in their own way um, that sort of the life that is in the, in the moral realms. Um, but again, yeah. it's this sort of glimpse into just the, the, the small scale that could have very well never been told. And, you know, people would never know, never know what happened to this little girl. Um, or I know she's little, this young girl. Um, mm-hmm. Spooky. No, thank you. Um, oh, I've got a good rating. Um, let's decapitated <laughs> twins. How am I supposed to top decapitated twins? I'd give it a, a seven out of eight skulls to corn. No, we can do better than that. What eight? What would their eight be? Eight things: corn, eight pointed star, uh, yeah, yeah, not eight uh, points of the corn rune. I guess. Yeah, there you go. Sure. Okay, we'll give it that. I, I wish there weren't seven corn guys, were there? Because or eight corn uh, guys. It right? was a little ambiguous about yeah, them. Can you say seven out of eight spider legs? You're welcome, Paul. Um, so <laughs> that's how I felt about that one. Do you have any any parting thought before we get out of this dumpster fire that I've created? Uh, no, just uh, I continue to enjoy these pocket romas. You gave me some recommendations from this year's Advent. Um, I like all. So uh, yeah, I I, uh, I think I'm gonna check those out. Uh, next and read some more. And I, I like doing these. We should keep doing it. Yeah, so you've been sort of pushed. I got the baby and then I'm doing a new job too. So I apologize for not driving as hard as I should. This is an after episode, not not a now episode. I'll tell you what, it's time for our reforging. Chat with us anytime about your thoughts on Twitter at The Moral Realms. David, where can they find you online? I'm at red underscore Zeke, or if you want to talk Underworlds, at WTHCast. Excellent. I'm Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at DosAsos. And if you're here, you're almost certainly listening to the story phase as well. So you can find all our Mortal Realms shows and content at www.themortalrealms.com.
Hey everybody, I'm Aaron, you're the listeners, and this is the Pocket Realms Anthology. Three episodes about three short stories in the Age of Sigmar. Now that we've got that squared away, if you're digging what you're listening to, and if you made it this far, I'm pretty sure you are, hang on to your butts because you've got a couple more coming up. And if that is not enough to whet your appetite for Black Library Babylon, then head on over to patreon.com slash themortalrealms or themortalrealms.com slash patreon to find even more Pocket Realms waiting just for you. And I do mean it. They ask about you all the time. They say, Aaron, when will they come to save us? And I say, soon, little pocket realms. Soon. Dear listener, don't make them wait any longer. Anyways, that's about it. Enjoy. Welcome to the Pocket Realm, a Mortal Realm short story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the realm gates this episode are... I'm Davey, and it's like I've always said, we're just a couple of monsters reading about a monster, hunting a monster. <laughs> uh, and I'm Aaron. I'm going I'm to pause here because this is going to take some ramping up. I want this to sound good uh, on, the, on the episode, so here, here we go. Um, the Monstar Game, I'm telling you. Pass me the rock, now I'm headed to the basket. Get up on my way is what you better do. My tactics is unsportsmanlike conduct, you better ask it. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about monsters. A little short story uh, by Noah Van Nguyen. Is that um, Space Jam? Is that what's going on there? It is! <laughs> Good job! Oh, man. <laughs> when I think monsters, I think monstars. Uh, All right. Where my brain goes. Um, it's hard to find it. Um, it's not on spotify man it's hard to find it um so i and i they're probably in my parents in my parents house somewhere probably still have that soundtrack and i'd like to get it because most of the songs aren't uh uh, on spotify or like would would it be on cassette or compact disc cd at that point yeah to show my age uh we went for like my friend's birthday party so it was out when I was a school-aged child, I grew up in Chicago, big Michael Jordan fan. Very formative movie uh, for, for me. Um, yeah. Uh, after this, want to do a Pocket Realms on uh, Space Jam? I do, very much. And <laughs> we can lace into the new one. Ooh, not good. Um, hey, we're not here to talk about Space Jam. We're here to talk about some awesome Age of Sigmar lore. But one more thing before we do. Hey, how you doing, Davey? I'm doing great. Good. Got a little bit of time off work. Um Get some hangouts happening, and uh, it's good. I got uh, got to play some games last night. That uh, was refreshing. Yeah, ooh, I had sounds refreshing. Some, yeah. So, how about you? What's going uh, I'm on? Doing, I'm doing a okay. Doing just fine. It was chilly for for a while. It still is ooh. chilly now, but it also yeah. was chilly before, um, which is true. Because I walk test to school, and so I'm I'm an I'm an inside kid. That's kind of my jam. So I. I <laughs> Have not taken to this cold weather environment at all, despite living in Wisconsin for a very, very long time. Um, I would love if you could tell me what uh, maybe what, uh, tell, tell me what you've been up to. Maybe the last some of the last hobby that you've done, or games that you've played, or books that you've read. Um, uh, give us a glimpse into what what you've been doing. Uh, well, games wise, I've been playing some rivals matches uh, locally, and uh, they're delightful. I I like them because uh, it feels like. I, I mean, the, the test is like, 
is it because it's, it's intended to pull in players who are not familiar with the game don't have to go through all the deck building uh but uh it's really fun for me to use all these find a way to use all these cards that are not optimal and to try and understand how the deck fits together when you haven't gotten to you know custom pick everything in there uh, so uh, i quite enjoyed my experience with it so um that was cool and uh i'm reading a couple books my sister sent me uh over break i don't remember the last time we talked but i'd read this but um this is how you lose the time war uh just read that it was an excellent read um and uh working through harrow the ninth and it's part of uh i think the locked tomb trilogy maybe now quadrilogy series mm-hmm. whatever you say um it's maybe not my favorite ever but it's so different from a lot of things i've read um uh, and the i think the author is very talented um tamison muir i believe i think she's oh. from new zealand so very cool um and i may uh, i may put it forward to our book club the the first one see what people think so. nice 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 um what was it's it's i heard maybe i'll cut this but the bl- blank the ninth or i feel like i've heard the ninth before in a title and it must be this book or are there other ones that are something the ninth they, so it's gideon the ninth and then Her- is the first one and harrow the ninth is the second yeah gotcha. um, okay so i knew that there was something that uh, yeah because i didn't recognize that the first word but yeah i see um so it's come up on list and things that i've you know must read I, I I think it's pretty impressive. It, there's uh, it has a lot of different tones going on, and somehow it doesn't trample itself by switching back and forth between those tones. And I I appreciate that. It's quite a quite a feat from this author. So no, very neat. Um, all right, what about, what about you? Up to so I have started working on assembling Daughters of Cain after doing a whole bunch of Underworlds warbands, and in fact, I then segued that into the coven uh, warband for Blade Darth coven, yeah. yep so middle middle of that and plus all the other Darth of Kane stuff that i have just hours ago they announced another battle box which both ma- makes me ecstatic and uh <laughs> despondent because it's too many i don't know yeah it seems really fast on the heels yeah. of other ones but i was wondering if maybe they were holding some of them back and now they're using them to you know catch up uh who's mm-hmm. to say but yeah. um so there will be more daughters of Kane in there so the question is is well i be done by the time that releases i don't know listener um so that's what i've been assembling no real no real games to speak of though we will start doing some soul bound here pretty soon which is i'm excited about most everyone yeah. i'm playing with has never has so very little exposure to uh the age of sigmar i think maybe most of their exposure is whenever there's new models i sh- shove the pictures of them mm. in their faces mm-hmm. uh, that might be the extent of it um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, I think I, I saw a screenshot. It looked like a quite a large group going to be involved. Um, some of them were, were duplicative uh, characters listed out. Oh, like I see. One individual, so it, it throws the numbers off. However, it is a larger group than I'm used to playing with because I Soulbound's a great game and I really like it. Uh, but I know my friends, and the the chances of all of them sticking through it are very very <laughs> slim. And so I, I'm o- I'm I'm overestimating so that when the inevitable. Uh, <laughs> You just, uh, yeah, you go in and accept happen. accept some attrition, and then uh, exactly. So I'm, I'm overstaffing it currently. What is it? Uh, acceptable losses uh, <laughs> on the way. So. And they won't listen to this, so I can say there's there's plenty of potential acceptable losses, and I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and then as far as books I'm reading, I just fired up. We're reading uh, All You Need Is Kill for book club, which mm. um, I've been dragging my feet on getting started. Though I guess we did just sort of pick it. Um, yeah, I heard it's pretty quick too. So. Yep, yep, agreed. So uh, I saw the movie a long time ago, so it's a good. I did too. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, we're in. 
Um, <laughs> uh, so that's that. Enough of that. Let's ha- yeah. let's talk about what the, the listeners came to hear to listen to. Sure. Listen about. Dang it! Nope, that was a mangled sentence. Let's jump into some Age of Sigma lore. Let's talk about monsters by Noah Van Wyn um, mm. in the story phase. Hey, Dave, you want to talk? You want to do the story phase? The story phase. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the nine realms. While tracking, an elusive greater demon in Shaiish, Indrasta is caught in a trap with an old mortal enemy of Sigmar who challenges her perception of what makes a monster in the mortal realms. It's actually whilst tracking, so you're going to have to do the whole thing. Mm. Awkward. How about, I'll, give you a, I'll give you a few whilsts and you can... <laughs> I can pick one. <laughs> whilst, 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 whilst. Whilst. Whilst? One, one of those is gold. You just yeah, have to sure. find it. Yeah, well, I'll just have to sift through the whilsts. Um, hey, so you, you are you are like a, when I, I imagine you uh, editing, you just kind of dress up as a prospector, panning for gold. <laughs> well, you see a big here. beard. And a <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> There's gold in them. There are waveforms. I can say that. Uh, <laughs> all right, so we're gonna we're gonna stay spoiler free for the time being and get through some W's, uh, mm. both wins, but also questions um why are we reading this book I, th- I can't remember exactly i feel like maybe i pitched one or two stories to you in my pitching what what spoke to you uh, about this one um i think i knew that you're reading another book by this author and you're excited about it so i said if you're excited about this author let's do it so and then also it, it, it felt like um doing something from this advent would be a little more timely than than not <laughs> Exactly right. So last episode, we dug two years deeper to an end mm-hmm. story. It seemed yep. uh, ludicrous. And so this one, we figured we'd catch <laughs> back up to a more current advent timeline. Mm. Um, but you're right. I, I was on a, a Van Nguyen kick. I was, well, I'll save that for a recommendation later. Um, he's only got a couple stories, but what I've read have been really good. Mm-hmm. Um, then, and then, so he's also a fairly new author, at least in terms of the Age of Sigmar stories that he's writing. I think he maybe had a 40k thing or two previously but he's new to me yeah and what a, this is a great a the short stories are a great way to showcase new authors and pocket realms are a great way to showcase short stories that are showcasing new authors so it's a it's a very it's a closed loop um and one final thing that i liked about that is is that it, it pretty clearly takes place in the now um mm. I feel like there's the the stories that we have are the, the stories that take place in the current timeline of the Age of Sigmar are, are relatively few and far between. We're getting more as time goes on, um, but uh, I'm always, I'm always, everybody knows I'm always on that cutting edge. I'm always on the uh, the front lines, what, and so it's what everyone always says about you. Saying it constantly, I wish they, they just wish they'd stop. Um, but um, so that's another reason why I wanted to pick this one up. All right, so moving right along to some to some wens. Uh, and I was just touching on this, but when does the story take place? Did you, David, did you get any hints as to when this was occurring? Yeah, it had some, uh, some obvious signposts. The fact that Indrasta is there is, uh, is a sign that it's, uh, post broken realms. And then there's, there's references that firmly place it, um, post broken realms, uh, age of beasts. Uh, Indrasta we know is out there hunting Kragnos is kind of her, uh, reason for being these days. Um, and so that means Kragnos must be loose as well, or is likely to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I, I actually, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the fact that it was given a time more than I 
would have guessed. Um, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, all right. Like, I don't know, it made it feel that little bit more consequential. It's not a thing I need by any mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, uh, it was cool. Like, yeah. give you give you a little more to chew on, I guess. I feel like there's been plenty of stories that we've read recently that haven't had a confirmed place in the timeline, and I don't think any of those stories were worse for it. But when right. when we're given that information, well, I like it. Uh, she, at one point, somebody also mentions what happened with Marathi here in this story, so you know that that is mm. sort of occurred in mm-hmm. common knowledge as well. So it's after all that. So if you folks are looking for stories that are in the age of beast, here's one. We're serving it up to you. Um, all right. How about, a, how about a where, where does this story take place? Again, I'll ask you, uh, where uh, are we at? Shyish. And I don't know if it's more specific than that, but, uh, I don't believe so. I mean, they maybe talk about a realm gate that might have been important, but I've never heard of it before. Maybe they didn't even give it a name, but, uh, it somewhere in Shyish. Um, it doesn't necessarily inform the story all that much, except for the fact that in some ways it points out that we're sort of in an afterlife, which is what Shaiish is made up of. Um, mm-hmm. so that's not inconsequential, but it, you know, it, it is sort of tangential to the story that we're being told here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, Shaiish. And then uh, finally, who we talked about Indrasta um, and all the baggage that comes along with her. She's hunting, She's hunting Kragnos amongst many other things. I mean, uh, she's not so single-minded, focused sure. on one query or quarry. Qu- quarry? Query? One uh, question? Quarry, query. Qu- qu- into a quarry. Uh, and so, uh, but she, she, she's, she's got time to hunt all sorts of things. Um, and she's on the hunt here as well, though um, it turns out she gets she gets diverted at, you know, at, at some point. Um, and as the little blurb up above mentioned, she does come face to face with a mm, some sort of ancient character that I think we're going to get into more. Uh, I should hope so. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Finn done. Um, <laughs> get into more in the uh, rest of the episode, but so as to not to spoil it, uh, maybe we'll leave that vague. Do you have any other who's that you want to bring up? Uh, I think that's about it. Uh, I think anything else is kind of spoiler territory. So agreed. Um, so let's, Let's get off the leash a little bit. Let's let's run wild, uh, <laughs> run roughshod on those spoilers uh, in the spoiler phase. Um, dang it! I keep talking about this. what's she going to do when spoiler mania runs <laughs> all wild on you? <laughs> uh, the spoiler phase. You guys can't see, but I got real hmm, with a fist and everything. It was great. Mm. Um, all right, let's jump right in. Uh, I'll admit, right out of the gate, I was, oh, maybe I was talking about it before, and then. Injustice doesn't really do it for me. Like I didn't, I don't necessarily consider her the potential for an interesting character. At least going into this story, so she's Sigmar's hunter, huntress. Uh, seems kind of one-dimensional, likes killing stuff, and that I, almost seemed confirmed for me as I started reading this story. She, yeah. uh, she's at the head of these anvils that uh, Heldenhammer and Shyish. They those often go hand in hand, um, mm-hmm. and they're fighting through waves of enemies. To she's she's hunting this this Lord of Change, and I'm like, oh, this is a um, killing a Lord and Cha- Lord of Change story. It's full of monsters. That's hence it's in the title. Blah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, I mean, I'll be honest. I got the first, you know, half page, and I was like, okay, I think I know what this is. And then, like, I'm like, and, and uh, I'm not feeling right at this minute, and uh, decided I'd come back to it later. And <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I did. Um, yeah, right. So it does take a turn because uh, it does. It does uh, not uh, remain long in that uh, territory. Yeah. So. Um and. 
you would, I mean, with a story that features like Zinch a little bit, you, you should be prepared for, you know, twists and turns, but of course it's not even Zinch that's causing the, the, the left turn in this story, but let's, let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We'll get there. Um, Yandross is flying around. She's got, she's, she's, uh, they're in a, a flying V formation. She's got prosecutors behind her. They're, they're going in for the kill. She's night night venators in there somewhere. Yeah, oh, it was I, fun. I, I like that. I mean, I, it's always the age of uh, the, uh, uh, Stormcast Eternal Army. I, I want to do is the the one there where they're all flying. It just yeah. seems cool. Aerial assault. Yeah. They're they're you know getting in close. She's she's I mean she's diving. She can't she can't uh, pull up. Uh, prosecutors are getting picked off left and right behind her. But she she's you know leading the in the four. Uh, she's got her sights on this Lord of Change who's you know casting spells and doing nonsense in front of this big realm gate. Um, doing nonsense. Yeah, doing <laughs> nonsense. Um, she doesn't she doesn't care about the losses that are going on behind her. She's not part of the. Uh, Anvils of the Held and Hammer, they're just there cheering her on, but she's really, you know, of her own mind and sort of on her, uh, of her own volition, you know, on this hunt that she's um, trying to take down this uh, mm-hmm. demon. Um, so despite saying I wasn't hooked, I feel like I'm still getting pretty animated about this scene uh, <laughs> because that's the idea. It's supposed to, it's, it's amping you up because she's getting closer and she's getting closer. She can't pull out now. She's got her spear ready. She lands and she's going to throw it at this Lord of Change. Uh, and he like, he it dissipates into a cloud of again nonsense feathers and like magic in the spear impossible geometries don't look for any cubes in here man that's too possible uh and the spear goes flying it's it's galmaraz's sister spear so there's some uh parallels there too because it gets totally at this this demon and it disappears into like into nothing uh as it sort of it doesn't even impact the 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 swirling um mess of magic it just sort of disappears she stutter steps like what what now like there's this yeah it, the demon's sort of gone or like it, it's not in any sort of shape that it was before her spear's gone Everyone's she was so like, confident that this was going to be the kill shot it, it, it's there's this moment of doubt like hold on like i was sure that was the kill shot like what how did this happen the spear it doesn't matter what's it called it's called fengavar it fengavar yeah. doesn't miss yeah. And yet it's just gone. Um, yeah. so I imagine that's kind of what Sigmar was like. I think in, after he threw his hammer, everyone sort of pulled him back and said, no, man, you got to get out of here. Like, yeah. uh, she, instead of getting, <laughs> instead of getting yanked back by her, you know, brother and art brothers in arms, um, it's around here that the floor gives out or that, you know, the ground gives out the floor, I don't know. G- ground yeah. gives out beneath her. Um, I'll pause there. Did anything about this battle scene, uh, grab you anything else you want to talk about? Because we, again, we take a market shift from here on out. So. Uh, I, I feel like having, and I've not read as much as you have, but I, I feel like the, the parallels with, uh, is it the battle of broken skies that, um, Sigmar lost his burning, burning skies, skies I can't remember broken the skies. Oh, I'm so sorry. Listeners. <laughs> down. One of those, but yeah, I know what you're, everyone knows. Uh, what talking about. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's no way like the parallel was accidental, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's in there, but that would, that jumped to my mind right away. I was like. I think my first thought was like, what again? And I was like, Oh, I bet you, I mean, this, this has to be intentional. I think we're setting, setting mm-hmm. things up. Uh, but yeah, fool me once. Shame <laughs> on you. Uh, fool me. Won't get fooled again. I don't want to admit this to anybody, but it only occurred to me while I was talking about it right here on the microphone while reading it. It didn't, oh, it, it no. just dawned on me right now. <laughs> uh, or I mean, like when I was saying it, I'm like, wait a sec. Oh yeah. Okay. It's one of those things when, once I get in the groove, um, yeah. it's like shower thoughts. Uh, so Next, yes. yeah, we should do this podcast in the shower. Think how sharp you'd be. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good. Um, in the dorms, we used to just 
bring folding chairs into the shower, sit next to each other and just have beers independent, like in smalls, like independent <laughs> of each other. Just hang out in there. Oh, cool. man, imagine their water bills. Um, so <laughs> she falls to the ground, which is silly because she's a flying character, but like the air gives out, right? And so she's got her wings and she's flapping, but she, like the air has been sucked out of whatever. This yeah, it talks about it being like, yeah, not not even any air to get purchased with her wings. So mm-hmm. it does, it does kind of describe why she would continue to fall. Mm-hmm. and plummets i mean not not perilously so but plummets down into a pool of water underground and so she's kind of left here with her thoughts for a bit she's kind of stewing and steaming given that oh i just threw my spirit disappeared like what what's happening how am i here yeah. um i got trapped and so she's a little bit embarrassed she even talks about like she's like i'm embarrassed and i don't want i don't want to face anybody right now and having them known that like that just occurred i think um yeah maybe Maybe I'm editorial. Well, there's like, I, I got to get back uh, so that the, the you know, to complete this, so that the uh, anvils up there don't don't sacrifice themselves in vain. You know, like they're holding this line for her to complete this job. Yeah. And she can hear the fighting going on, you know, the screams yeah. and the rocketing of lightning. So she can tell that, they, I mean, she's kind of needed up there too. Um, but it's around this time that she notices that there's a tree in this like underground cavern, which mm. trees aren't typically known for being an underground. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not an arborist, but I don't, they're not normally down there. I'm no treeologist. Yeah. Well, then again, maybe I don't spend a lot of time in holes in the ground. Maybe they are down there. Who's to say? <laughs> um, and it's, and then that tree sort of guides her attention to, it's not only a tree down here, but actually a little camp has been made uh, below the ground and it is being populated by, that's a weird way to phrase that. Uh, a occupied large, by, yeah. Occupied, that's better. Uh, a large, uh, I mean, man, but there's more to it than that. Um, He's covered in like a like a uh, uh, like a coal or like a char. He's like a, he's got like charred skin. He's massive. He's got some sweet sweet black braids. Um, there's cracks underneath his char, and it looks like he's got like bronze skin bronze underneath skin. it. Um, Super long mustache. Yeah, right. So I mean, that's I should have led with that. That's the best part. Um, <laughs> it, it's hard to even notice the other stuff when faced with the mustache. Uh, so this he, he's described in a way that I don't think i've ever seen anything in the mortal realms described this way no no it's one of those things as they introduce something you're like well the, the character witnessing this being is unfamiliar with what it is but i probably know what it is and as you read a little more like nope i, I don't i oh, do not is, know what's going on here was he so, tall too was he like giant-esque uh, or ogre big big boar of a mortal like an ogre son ah that's what it was all muscle and just enough fat to provide protection from a good blade <laughs> Like she's really sizing this dude up. Like she's yeah. like, you know, what's what's your what's your BMI? What kind of like fat percentage are we talking? About? Um, so uh, uh, and his eyes were what uh, she most noticed. There's smoldering red gems, enchanted with formidable magic. Oh yes, um, and there's a there's a moment. It's like. Hey, who are you? Who are you? Uh, and it's a- almost like immediately they get into a, a verbal sparring of, of words. Uh, yeah. Well, the, the first thing he says before they even kind of lay eyes on each other, he says, Sigmar, mm-hmm. like he's so this is somebody who, I mean, um, probably most of the mortal realms are familiar with uh, uh, Sigmar, but his first thought is Sigmar is here, which is an interesting hot take to get when somebody first shows up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, I she guess she also notices a, a giant axe uh, leaning up against a tree, which um, is, I think, Azerian. She can she can tell it's of Azerian make, mm-hmm. so uh, that's significant too. Yeah. So he he says, "Oh no, you're not Sigmar." She she introduces herself. I'm Indrasa, and she rattles off a whole bunch of you know impressive things about her. Um, she's like, "Well, why would 
why would why would you think that Sigmar would come here? That's a kind of a weird thing to ask. Um, and um, so then he gets defend so he gets defensive about that. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa! You came into my house. Like, who are you to start asking all these questions? And all the while, he's sort of eyeballing this axe over there. And so it's a classic, a little bit of a standoff. She she sees that he's eyeballing the axe. He sees that she sees that he's eyeballing the axe. It's very, <laughs> uh, high tension uh, at this point. Um, and I think it's around this time where he actually makes a move for it. He lunges for it, thinking that he's going to get his hands on it. But Yandrasti, even despite her recent mini defeat, is quicker because the dude's kind of old. Like, he's a little bit ancient. She, she sort of surmises that he's he's seen better days. Uh, he's mm. not as quick maybe as he would have been. She gets to the axe. Or not, she gets between him and the axe first, blade mm-hmm. to his neck. And then this is where they, this is where they start, you know, getting into, you know, nitty-gritty details. Um, Best time to have a conversation. Yeah, right? That's one, one person's got a blade to the other person's neck, <laughs> which is why these episodes are so worse because we're doing them remotely is because there's yeah. no blades to the neck. Yeah. So yeah. We're really, <laughs> really missing out uh, that crucial element to conversation. So, uh, do, do you want to, so what do they talk about, Davey? L- lead me into it. She's focused on that, uh, that she needs to get to back up, you know? So she's, she's kind of driving at this, um, she somehow recognizes that he's someone named Voyi, V-O-Y-I, Voyi. Um, she knew well the legends which surrounded it. Um, and she had spent months hunting the the Anomia, which did we say that was the Lord of the Change's uh, name? Nope, but uh, the best time to say it is at the beginning of, an, of a story phase, and the second best time to say it is now. <laughs> so uh, as an aside, I really love that name for a Lord of Change. It's very cool. Anomia. Thank- Anomia, I, I believe it's a term that's uh, when you can't quite think of the word, it's on the tip of your tongue. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, I just thought so, it was a fun yeah, yeah. mouth syllable thing. No, I, I mean, and to the extent that I, I, I bet you at some point when he was thinking of when uh, Fen Nguyen was thinking about uh, uh, characters, you know, it might have come across that word and he'd like, I'm going to file that away as a cool demon name, you know? So. He's been wait, he's had that one in his back pocket for a while. Um, carry on. Uh, but uh, so she she knows, and this is something. This is a hundred percent new to me. Um, but uh, I'll I'll kind of read off a quote here. Um, he's he's trying to get her to go away. He's like, you know, you burst into my house or my home, um, clad for war. Uh, she's talking about. Uh, she recognized him, and then um, when Sigmar's pantheon still ruled from Highheim, the god gods had champions, mortals who fought in their names. Sigmar chose some fated few to lead them as he would later choose a stormcast. They received his blessings from Gungni, the maker, and the god king himself. Eyes wrought from earth fire or enchanted flesh to resist the dark power's corroding touch. Uh, so this is like some sort of precursor to the stormcast. This guy is some like, uh, like precursor race or creation or some such. Or maybe um, he was given gifts in the same way that the chaos gods give their followers gifts. Is what make is the parallel I drew? Like, mm, yeah, uh, and then uh, he's uh, he's remembered as uh, well. He's not. He's you are the unremembered one. Which, uh, but he's he's well, the unblessed, the traitor whom Sigmar entrusted the defense of Sigmaron in his hour of need, and who betrayed him. Uh, so, uh, and then Voy is is um, you know she says I'm one of the few who actually does does know about you and he kind of freezes and he realizes that, Oh, this person's close to Sigmar. And that, that gives him pause, makes him, makes him fearful. Um, 
which as you can imagine, if he's, if he's known as the betrayer or, or, uh, the traitor, then yeah, probably he's, he's, uh, not excited to happen upon somebody. Um, but what's significant that she remembers about him is that he defeated, uh, the anomia in the age of myth. Um, and, uh, she wants that information from him. So it kind of, that's, that's, that's what she wants to do. What? Yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah, let's let's work together. Uh, he is uninclined to work together, uh, yeah. and the bulk of the story is him giving plenty of reasons as to why he's uninterested in helping uh, the Stormcast take down the. Um, yeah, I mean, what what's the central thrust here is that he's he's trying to remain hidden, like he's he fears retribution from Sigmar, who has been known to get angry about things, you know, <laughs> uh, as we all do. Right. We yeah. all do there. <laughs> um, and his, his point is like, I, I'm not going to tell you how to like, if you, if I tell you how to beat the anomia, then you end up going back to, uh, Sigmaron and letting Sigmar know that I'm still out here somewhere and then I'm in trouble. So, um, you, you are, I'm not going to give you information that is going to help you, uh, get me found out. And what's worse is she's like, yep, that's, I mean, that's true. That is is correct. Yeah. Um, And so it's, it's the sort of battle uh, in the, the, the the tug of war between the two of them. Sure. Her trying to get the information out of him, sometimes trying to make concessions, but like realistically not being like, you you did what you did and it's going to be my duty. And so she thinks about, well, what it would feel like if she does sort of bring this guy into Sigmar, even if she can't figure out how to defeat the demon, you know what, screw it. Maybe this is an even bigger prize. But then at the same time, she's like, well, uh, but what if I don't, what if I fail? Like what, what would Sigmar's reaction be? So it's a lot of internal turmoil in Indrasta's head and then external turmoil between, you know, the back and forth between the two of them, which yeah. maybe we'll get into this later, but that this does color Indrasta's character a little bit. I wasn't super jazzed yeah. on her before, but like we're getting a little bit, a little bit of character development or like getting the nitpicking through what, what makes her tick. Um, yeah. Which I think, I mean, early good. on in a couple spots, it talks about, you know, she lived for the hunt. That was the only, you know, it's the, all she was there for. And that's, that's the sort of thing where I'm like, Meh, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. like less interesting, but you're totally right. Like here, this conversation kind of draws out some more um, pieces of her. There's one, when you talked about her considering killing this guy and uh, bringing his skull, bringing his head back to uh, Sigmar specifically, she has this thought uh, about imagining, and uh, finally, Sigmar's merciless satisfaction as she laid his skull at the base of his throne. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> that, uh, that sounds like the wrong kind of throne. Yeah. I was like, uh, which I think was uh, maybe another clever piece of writing here because there's some, um, the the thrust of Voy's arguments are that uh, uh, the, the Stormcast Eternals and the things they fight are not quite so, not, not so different. And, uh, uh, I, you know, you can see that in places and here, even this thought is like one that you would, if that was a, if that was a something from a corn follower, you wouldn't think twice, you know, about like, yep, that, that tracks something, somebody from, uh, worshiping the blood God would absolutely do. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple of things based off of what you said. First of all, when you said, uh, uh that she li- only lives for the hunt and that ma- it makes her, 
to you an uninteresting character. Whenever any character is, I only live for the blank, then I kind of immediately write that. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I'm not super interested <laughs> if I only live for you know a singular thing. Uh, and then yeah. furthermore, Boy even makes that point. Like literally, he's like, I bet you take heads, don't you? And she's like, <laughs> she gives her pause. Like he's that's different. Yeah. He, I mean, yeah, he's he's great in this story, and he says all sorts yeah. of stuff that like matches perfectly and it's just such full of great quotes and um in in one ways it's great to sort of hear the character speak this way but it just sort of proves that van Nguyen has some awesome ideas in his head that he's able to voice these things through his characters i loved it um yeah i think at some point this might just devolve into this throwing out some awesome quotes from because i got one for you that really <laughs> grabbed me i loved it i remember pulling it out when i read it before i'd forgotten yeah. about it read the book again and then i i stood up arms outstretched when i read this part with best. arms wide open yeah arms wide open so she, uh, he's, she's, she's trying to make the argument that she's not a monster. She's better than the things that she hunts. And he's trying to convince her, no, you are not. Uh, yeah. and, and he goes, uh, because you fight his wars. And don't tell me you don't. I know you do. You're a stormcast <laughs> eternal. Uh, but you never even notice. You bring the wars with you. And if they aren't there when you come, they always are when you leave. Oh, yeah. Jamie! I have that highlighted too. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, that's if he perfect. had a mic to drop, he would. Yeah, right. Uh, at some point, he he talks about, uh, or again, she's trying to defend herself, and he says, "If the fact that some of those things that you butcher are demons is supposed to be proof that you're good, that's a low mark just set." Which is true. That's the baseline <laughs> level to be good. It's like saying, "I don't even know the comparison," but yeah. like, you don't get to use that as the justification for being good. Everybody's fighting demons. Demons are the worst. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's great. The the um, it also becomes apparent in this conversation that he is somewhat informed uh, about goings on. Like this is somebody who's been in hiding since maybe the age of myths, age Possibly. of chaos, yep. age of chaos, probably. Um, but uh, like, well, how would this the guy doing hermit things down in some weird sub basement of an underworld of a part of Shyish know what's up? Well, I've I've heard the rumors of uh, well, specifically he mentions he knows about Marathi. Uh, I've heard the rumors of your city anvil guard. The guys made from its fall told me passing through these cave walls in flight from Nagash. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. It's like the the uh, spirit of the dead grapevine, you know, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that he heard it through. I, I don't know. It was a it was a cool touch. Uh, and I know like the, the mechanics of this story, I'm sure uh, I'm sure the author had to like figure out like how can i have this character but it, it works it works really well and i was it was it was one of those things where like i appreciated in that and i also appreciated like how he'd figure out how to like solve this problem in, in in the writing like how can i have this guy just not be like what's going on i haven't heard of anything that's happened in the past 700 years you know like uh, and it made him a more interesting debate partner because <laughs> yeah. because uh, he had he wasn't uh, there he wasn't uh, missing as much knowledge as you might have expected. Mm-hmm. Well, and the reason he even brings Marathi up because he's using that as yet again an excuse to sort of besmirch Sigmar's name it's with the essential, uh, essentially yeah. the argument being, look who his friends are and look who, he, yeah. like, look who he's yeah. cool with. Like, you guys aren't the good guys. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, yeah. comes up on a, I mean, we, we've gotten different, not as much as you would think maybe, but different variations of that argument from different, you know, all sorts of different players in the mortal realms, but Sure. How great is it to get that argument from a, a previous follower of Sigmar, um, which is yeah. Really neat. And Andrasta is trying to justify it with like a sort of eggs and omelets sort of argument, um, like hard choices are required when you're when you're uh, when the stakes are what they are for us. Um, but he, you know, he he really is kind of committed to his stance here, and we'll 
I, eventually, I don't know if it's time for it now, but yeah, kind of get to where, where his like core argument comes from. And he says, you know, look, look at the things that uh, Sigmar has sacrificed in order to, you know, do these things that he wants to do. Uh, and his, his argument is like, he's just kind of picking and choosing, uh, and that's making him no better. You know, he's, he's doing things at a, at least some degree of self-interest. And, um, he specifically, it, it sounds like at some point during presumably the age of chaos, um, Sigmar, uh, basically told him, I, I can't save your people. So Voy's people, um, is, is a tribe or civilization, or I think it leaves a little bit vague, um, says, uh, there's nothing I can do to save. And he says, and he couldn't even look at me when he said that. And so he hit Sigmar. I think he specifically says, As I punched do. him, struck him in the back of his fat head. Or <laughs> <something>. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Um, not the first then, time I've read about someone hitting Sigmar, by the way, but keep going. Yeah. Well, not the first time we've read about somebody hitting a God, right? Didn't your boy, um, oh, well, Amalcar? That, that guy ended up being Sigmar though. It, Oh, he was, he was in a different Grungni. Yeah, no, he was in the form of a dwarf, oh, and he hit some. That's he right. Being Sigmar eventually. Yeah. Oh, we're referring to the same thing. Edit out my uh, my bad I stuff. Keep all my good stuff. In. Uh, anyway, it's a, then it's just a one person conversation. What? Oh, yeah, um, honed. Um, yeah. So uh, I did that. Stole a uh, stole a something, uh, and uh, presumably this axe. Um, you know, uh, basically stole things from. Sigmaron that he thought would uh, would help him out to uh, to maybe save his people himself. So he, he went on this like sort of lost cause thing. Like if Sigmar won't do it, I will. Um, and uh, and then he ends up. He's this. Uh, this is what the last of what remains of of his uh, people's underworld. And he he talks about you know like he he failed in his uh, attempt to save them. And then he was in. Uh, hidden out in this underworld and uh, his people slowly filtered through here. And now they're, they're so far gone that this underworld is uh, presumably diminishing, you know, it seems like, like even, even the underworld itself. So like even the, uh, you know, even the after image uh, or the, the memory of his people is starting to fade out almost entirely, which is, you know, pretty tragic. It's a, um, like, I, I, I thought that was, pretty well put by him and, and you know he goes he goes again into uh talking about you know sigmar he's exploiting the realms he talks about like look at look at sigmar on all these marble statues you know he talks about marble from I, i'm gonna get it wrong but like marble from gur and yeah. gems from shaman and you didn't think those really all came from azir do you and he uses the resources of the realms just like he uses the people just use them that they, they, or basically he sees the people of the realms as, as a resource yep. yeah exactly uh, including you, Stormcast Eternal. Mm-hmm. You know? And look at that. Like he's he's taken uh taken souls. Sometimes he, he doesn't even wait in, until you uh until, until you die. Yeah. Um and, and snaps you up and makes you look like himself and sends you back out. Uh it's a pretty compelling argument. Like he this this guy's had a lot of time to kind of form his the thesis yeah. <laughs> of his uh, argument here. I feel like so. every good argument there is to have against it like to be anti-Sigmar is uttered in this, you know, short story. Um, I couldn't think of more if I had to. So like, yeah. he's very, he's, he's uh, conclusive and um, uh, it's a comp- sort of a complete argument. Anyways, uh, back to the, just the under the underworld part. Um, he doesn't go into it in his, in his sort of explanation of his life, but like we know that 
underworlds exist as long as people believe in them. Like if if you start believing in one, all of a sudden it just springs up out of nowhere. But I imagine the opposite would probably be true. If there's no one left to believe in it, the underworld's going to sort of disappear. And so he's the last one standing, so to speak, both alive or dead, because all all the ghosts of it, I think he said the ghosts of his his fathers and sons have all you know passed from this yeah. place as well. Uh, and whether they got absorbed from Nagash, or, you know, I, he doesn't specify necessarily where they all went, but like he's the, it's still here because he's still here and he's still here because it's still here, so to speak. So it's, it's very much a forgotten corner of the realms, which is very, and in part of the, or part of that then does uh, give Indrasta a little bit of pity to him as well. Like she, she, over the course of the conversation can kind of come to the conclusion that he's not, as as imposing a figure as she initially thought, but uh, even when I was talking about before, he is older and he's sort of been beaten down, and she mm-hmm. starts to pity the guy. Like he, he is yeah. uh, broken down here, um, yeah. and I think that maybe starts t- when she makes that realization. I think that she, her 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 intentions or her goals maybe start to veer off a little bit. Maybe that she, she starts to reconsider some of what she was you know planning on doing down here. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I, I don't know that he, like, strictly speaking, wins her over with the argument, but I mean, she's making this, this argument that there are hard choices out there, you know, there's, uh, and there's collateral damage. And I think at some point she sees him as some of that collateral damage mm-hmm. uh, at, at some point. So, you know, maybe his, his, to, to some degree, he was successful in moving the needle, but um, she, uh well, and then they, they actually end up fighting because, uh, despite the pity, whoop, whoop, yeah. whoop, the axe comes flying out of nowhere at one point. Yeah. And because oh. she gets briefly distracted, there's a screech up ahead. She looks and she's like, Voy. And also, she can hear like the, the rush of wind as the axe is coming at her. It's <laughs> like, Oh, bold move, man. Wanted to ask her uh, a question. And like, yeah, this thing is, he, he was making progress, it seemed like, or like he, he was, he yeah. was, I mean, there were cracks in some of her facade in some ways. Uh, yeah. I guess he was going to take advantage of it. Um, yeah. So she dodges the axe. Uh, they get into a little bit of a tussle, and then she, then although he's pr- still very strong, uh, she gets the edge on him, and mm. uh, I think she loses her sword. It's what? Oh no, she loses her sword, but she gets she gets the axe right, and like it's it's, yeah. it's over her, his head. Um, not to rush to the end. If there's anything before this, stop me. But uh, they she, she you know has the axe raised. She's about to do it, but then she thinks better of it and decides not to. And yeah. whether it was that act of mercy or I, I don't know what so they're both essentially in some ways trying to you know maybe win each other over or at least show each other the flaws in their argument and it's at this point where maybe he sort of concedes and says you know what fine if you're not going to kill me i'll just i'll just tell you and so he gives away the secret to defeating the demon um which is to say well he's you you've already beaten it like you it, it says it, it can't be beaten it's a little confusing but if it's scared it will make its true self and then you can pull something from it yeah yeah uh, and it'll it will banish it so um or yeah banish or bound or does that mean the same thing i guess in this context yeah hard to say <laughs> doesn't matter uh so so again they come i guess they come to this truce in some ways like he's like all right fine you've you've already won um when you go after you go defeat the demon um and you go tell Simgar what you know uh can you at least do me the, the common decency of having you be the one to come and take me out don't send him out I can't face him again. Uh, yeah. But it's at this point where then she, I don't think she says it out loud, but we, we hear her thoughts. She decides, you know what? I've never tried to lie to Sigmar before. 
but maybe it'll make it, maybe that means that this time it'll be easier, easier, the easiest yeah. to do so. Um, so right. she, she kind of, just this once, yeah. you know, he trusts me entirely. I've never lied to him. So <laughs> I can, I, I can, can do it just this once. Just one time. Uh, so she decides to not, I mean, it, as far as we know, decide not to turn the guy in because she heads back to her whole, uh, dramatic wings outstretched. Woof, and she takes to the, takes to the yeah. with armed with her knowledge. Rest voy Indrasa said, there are no monsters here. She beat her wings hurtling into the darkness in search of nightmares to slay. Pretty good. Pretty good. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, wow, man. That had some weight to it. had some kick to it. Yeah, really I good. I guess let's, let's do our standard questions and then we can wax philosophical after, after the fact. Um, so who was, who was your, there's not too many people in here, but who was, who was your all-star in this year's story? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to let you go first on this. Go <gasps> okay. Well, it, so. I mean, I'm, I know it's fun to see if, uh, how obscure or like esoteric we can, we can make our selections, but my answer, boy, hands down, amazing in this story. Um, and in some ways it's, it, it, in some ways he was so compelling that it was hard to even for, it was hard to make myself forget that like in some ways he's maybe just a, a mouthpiece to the author. Like it, it, you, yeah. you're, you're seeing the hand writing behind him. Um, yeah. But I don't care. I still, I st- his arguments were so compelling and right and so well-spoken and like interesting and fun sometimes too, that uh, whether it was Noah himself or this, this creature that I've never seen before, boy, regardless, uh, I loved every, every, everything out of his mouth. Uh, I was a fan, mm. so he's my, my favorite. Uh, who is your all-star? Uh, mine's going to be the Anomia, <laughs> and I'll tell you why tell here. Me. So one, cool name. Yeah. Straight up. So good. Two, uh, and this, this is, you know, kind of a, a piece for more discussion, but, uh, this is the first time we've heard of Voye and such, and almost nobody knows about him. Uh, what if he doesn't actually exist? What if this is all, cause at the end, Indrasta is willing to lie to Sigmar. What if this is all part of that plot? You son of a bitch. <laughs> Say that on, I have to cut it out, but. <laughs> oh, what if? What, what if? if? No one's ever yeah. heard of him. He tells him, "Hey, don't. Hey, you can't. You can't defeat him. He's already. He, he's already been defeated. So you're totally yeah. fine. Uh, get on out of here." Ooh. Shut up. Okay. So yeah, that, right? that occurred to me about maybe ten minutes after. You know, I was I was going about some chores and I like stopped, set stuff down, and like looked at the wall for a second. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> so. Uh, and I even said before, like whenever you're reading a story about Zinch, get ready for you know, get ready for a, a turn or a twist yeah. or something like that. What if that's the twist? Oh, God, that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Now it could be it could be a little further down the spectrum where you know because he specifically said that he's here. He's uh, that the Anomia has given him uh, its word that mm-hmm. he'll be protected here. So uh, he may actually exist. Uh, you know, so it could be anywhere from like he doesn't even exist. Uh, in the sense that we were assuming mm-hmm. to, he does, but he's he's part of this plot to get her to lie to Sigmar. Sure, sure, sure. Well, especially considering if you, if you were disillusioned with Sigmar at one point, and like you you realize he's not going to help you, like it's it's a yeah. common occurrence that you turn to other powers who can. So maybe in an hour of need, he says, "You know what? F it. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to you know see what. Especially I'm going to go to. It, it's a classic trope, right? Where like you've defeated this big thing, but then." you know, you're disillusioned with whatever side you're on and you go back to the thing that like you had conquered before and said, you know what, let's actually join forces. Like that's not, uncommon, yeah. that's not unheard of. Um, wild. Yeah. That's a lot to think about. No, no, get out of here. Um, cool. I love that. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. 
what did we learn about the mortal realms that we didn't know before? I was going to say that there are these champions and, you know, from an age of myth, but what if these champions didn't exist? What if they were just a folk story? I didn't learn anything. Um, no, but let's take it on face value at the very least that there were sort of these precursors to Stormcast. I mean, looking and acting relatively differently. Um, I didn't know that existed. You'd think it would come up, but that's the beauty of this yeah. black library stuff is that you can scribble outside the lines a little bit. Um, yeah. And they're specifically like, you know, they're, uh, he's unremembered. Like his, the history of these guys has been, you know, expunged. Not as unremembered as he would have liked. <laughs> or Direct maybe quote. exactly as unremembered as. <laughs> That's true. Did you, did you learn anything from Zimotal or learn anything about Zimotal Realms? Um, that, besides that piece, uh, just the idea that there's, there's the, uh, the spirits of the dead, uh, grapevine there, you know, just the different ways information can, can spread. Mm. Um, I'm not a Nagash fan, but I do like Shyish a lot. Like it's a really interesting realm, like this idea that, you know, people are there because they're in their afterlife, but they're also there because they just live there. Like that's a, um, it's one of those things that it, it feels like it's not ever a hundred percent pinned down. And I don't think it should be like it, I think you, you leave some wiggle room in there um, and it, it leaves lots of options open. But I'm, uh, I feel like I'm consistently, um, I consistently enjoy Shyish when they kind of play with this uh, underworlds, you know, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of the other realms, not to call them one dimensional because they are many dimensional, but you, when someone describes to you a, a realm of fire, like you have an image of what that means and, and yeah. Age of Sigmar does what it can to turn it on its head sometimes, but more often than not, it's, it's a raging flaming realm of fire um, or, or it's hot, right? So it's like, those are the two things that you see. Uh, same with life and same with a wide range of other ones. Um, the interesting realms are the ones where you, they try and play it in a way that you've never seen it before. Shaiish being the prime example, right? Like that, that, does, yep. that doesn't seem as tropey as some of the other ones are. Yeah. Chaman kind of is another example. That's not as tropey as like you can you know, expect again, the realm of life is, you know, full of jungles and things. So I agree with you there. Um, right on. I don't have anything, anything to add there. Uh, now we'll open up. Are there other things that you want to talk about? Any questions that arose? Man, you dropped a bomb on it before. How are you going to follow that up? Um, with other, <laughs> other things that jumped out at you in the story. Um, I mean, that, I think, I think just what I like is that it's the, you know, we encounter this sort of idea, um, of, of like the flaws of the storm cast or the, the, uh, problems with Sigmar's plans and, and that sort of thing, but maybe not ever quite so, um, eloquently written. Um, and so it was really, really fun to see that, uh, and also feel like he made some great points, but also that it wasn't like, you know, I don't know that, that there's, it, it wasn't like, okay, the Stormcast are bad now. It was just, you know, um, but everything he was arguing was was true from the perspective of someone like him who's who kind of lost what was most important to him. Um, so I, you know, only having read him in this very short story, I believed him as a character. You know, so um, I uh, yeah, I, I appreciated that, and I liked thinking about the Age of Sigmar um, mythology story. Um, um, in, in the way that, uh, this kind of put it. So that was pretty cool. What about you? It'd be, it'd be less interesting if he was all right or all wrong. And so, because he's somewhere in the middle, I think that made for 
of, of funner back funner a more fun back and forth um one thing that i didn't quite get or quite understand is i'm not sure how whether it was intentional or unintentional how he convinced her to ch- change her mind i feel like her transition from one to the other i i, I could see story-wise why we wanted to go from one from point a to point b but i just i couldn't put my finger on exactly or multiple fingers on exactly why why she changed her mind i i, I didn't quite get it despite yeah. the fact just knowing that she needed to change her mind by the end of the story um did yeah were you convinced by that um change of heart uh so it was it was interestingly like the the real change of heart came after they fought you know like he tried to sucker punch her mm-hmm. um but i think she's she's been in a situation of of uh like her language and her being has been battle for quite a while now like lives for the fun lives lives for the hunt lives for the fight um lives for the fun lives for the fun she has a good time uh so i guess it kind of makes sense that like the deciding thing was there was like during the fight she's like no it's just a this is a tired old man Mm -hmm. um so maybe that is the reason it it kind of broke through at last to her like kind of was the tipping point for her was uh it spoke to her in a language that she's been speaking a lot lately okay gotcha yeah maybe it's a that's a good point maybe it wasn't a matter words were never going to sway her but it it needed to be something other than words that were going to convince her that's a good point um because his transition made sense right like it 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 was a last ditch effort he realized his words weren't getting through to her so he's going to try and you know beat her obvious that he, he can't win and so he's just sort of resigned himself to his fate he's like i don't it seems as if I don't have any other options at this point, so I'll, I'll yeah. give in. Or he's a pawn of a demon, and this was just all part of a larger plot. <laughs> ah, God, I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about that. Um, yeah. So that makes sense. Uh, any other thoughts before we start maybe talking about recommendations? Uh, no, I think I'm good. All right. I'll lead with my recommendation. The reason I even brought the story back up, even though I liked it when I read it initially, is because I was also reading uh, – then wins uh, Harrow Deep. No, I guess it's a novella. It's not quite a short story. It's got chapters. So it's a novella called Nadir, um, which is also really good. So as far as recommendations go, I recommend that novella. Um, why? It's because you can definitely see the similarities. In sort of, not only not just in writing style, which is obviously there, same author, that makes sense, uh, yeah. but sort of philosophical questions, um, sort of the internal monologue. But not boring internal monologue, like interesting, compelling internal monologue or grappling with questions and, and, and things that are worth grappling with and not just, oh, am I doing the right thing? Or I mean, that's, I, that's sure. been covered so many times. And so I thought it was particularly good. Um, furthermore, I haven't read anything about Harrowdeep, so it was enlightening on that front because I don't know the first thing about this un- this underworld and underworld, so that's cool too. Um, yeah. But I, th- I think it, it touches on some of the fun not even just themes, but deliveries that this story does um, mm. in just a different setting with different characters, which uh, I really enjoy. So I do recommend that one. Did this story inspire you or inspire any recommendation, recommendations on your end, Damien? Uh, so I haven't read anything else by him, uh, and I don't know much about Indrasta uh, beyond what we've talked about on the podcast and such. Um, what I think, reading this, what I enjoyed was that this had a, a interesting or there are complexities to the antagonist right um and so i was trying to think back about other other age of sigmar books that i've uh 
red that had that kind of complex antagonist. And uh, back to the Black Rift of Claxus, I think. Okay. It was a Josh Reynolds one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I remember... I remember enjoying that uh, he he wrote a a corn character that I thought was um, compelling as far as uh, you know much more interesting to read than I would have expected out of a corn character. So uh, I'll throw that out there as a uh, not necessarily related to the specific subjects of this, but um, tonally maybe. Okay. Right. It's, there's a lot. There's a ton of of. Uh, um, you know, battle scenes and such. And there's very early age of Sigmar stuff. So there's a lot of, here's what Stormcast Eternals are and, and all that sort of thing. But, uh, uh, I think I read it when it was coming out as the individual parts, I think it released as like eight, maybe, I don't know. Uh, I think three, yeah, four, that, five, six, seven, eight, some, yeah. some number of parts, uh, released individually and then compiled later. As a legends of age of Sigmar, they, they put it all in one, one novel. So it's like eight mm-hmm. chapters of that novel. Um, g- good callback. Uh, not that I wasn't listening to you, but I totally was. Uh, but it, this story then also reminds me of another short story that deal that grapples with sort of a conversation between two, two individuals dealing with the uh, basically questioning sort of Sigmar's motives or, or calling uh, calling in calling out the sort of shades of gray of of how Sigmar operates, and it's the Age of Enlightenment that Hamilcar short story that I think we might have done mm. a short pocket realms on. So. You've probably listeners, you've probably already read it and listened to this episode. But if you haven't, I'd say go back and try that one out because I don't want to spoil anything if you hadn't listened to it. But it's Hamilcar dealing with another sort of individual who is maybe disillusioned with some of uh, Sigmar's choices and you know trying to come to an understanding. So this isn't now that I'm thinking about it, this isn't the first time we've had not exactly the same conversation, but a similar conversation um, mm. with characters that I enjoy. So uh, mm-hmm. I would recommend that one too if you're into your more cerebral. Uh, or a debate club kind of uh, short story. Uh, and that's all I got. All right, I guess we got to do a review. David, would be would you be so kind? Um, really loved it. I'll go nine out of nine parts of Anomia's plan that you didn't even know was going <laughs> so good. Going far. So yeah. Um, cool. Do you want to you want to justify it, or do you think the episode sta- justifies it? Itself. I, I think uh, I think my uh, discussion of it to this point is kind of laid out um, by and large. I, I just um, there were uh, it was good, believable conversation. Um, I, I I believed the characters. Um, that's that's usually an important thing. And uh, it took a turn. It took a couple turns that weren't necessarily expecting. And um, I uh, very much enjoyed that. Also. <laughs> Uh, I got at least three new v- vocabulary words out of here. Um, you got them. So, you got them to hand. Uh, yeah, there's pelicor, like P E L I C H O R. Okay. Apparently, the smell when it first starts raining. Oh, it's a like great that. smell. One of my favorites. Yeah, I, I did not know there was a name for it, but um, there is. Uh, Rotic, R H O T I C, mm-hmm. which is some where you kind of insert an R before a consonant or after. It's apparently common with like some part of England or something like okay. that. I, I, <laughs> and then there was uh, something about a piece of armor that I'm not going to uh, totally remember. She, she pulls off some piece of her um, armor when she kind of splashes down oh. uh, a Bevor, B-E-V-O-R, okay. which is kind of like a, I think it was like the gorget or like neck piece oh, of neat. armor. So mm-hmm. uh, I read words yeah. like that that I also didn't know and just blaze on right by. They don't even <laughs> slow me down for a second. Um, well, it, sometimes you're like, I got a good sense of this from context. And those three, I was like, I 
I have almost nothing to go on here. I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to go dig these up. So. Sure. Yeah. Um, what about your rating, Aaron? Very, very similar. I'll give it ten out of ten. Spooky ghosts on the on the spooky ghost grapevine. Um, All right. An irrelevant number to the to the topic, but um, <laughs> I loved it. It was one of my favorites. Um, it was, it was so incredibly well well written. It was very uh, um, a, a dinner with Andre kind of conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I, I watched I watched it for the first time like three months ago. I am not a cinephile in any way, but I figured I should be fired up. And now I want to sneak it into conversations so people know how cool I am. Um, but it was it was uh, fantastic, and I love the fa- I, I I almost love it more because I can recall going into the story thinking I do do not care about Indrasha. I do not care about fights against uh, Zinch demons, and so I love that by the end of it, I ended up loving it. Like I, I love yeah. that that emotional roller coaster that was um, fantastic. Yeah. Um, there's not much else to say beyond how great the conversation was because that was what made it good and it's hard to reflect that without having someone read it themselves just trust me in that like it's just a compelling back and forth um it gave uh, great great compelling thoughts um it makes you like sigmar probably less which makes me then feel good about uh, <laughs> about things and so i know there's plenty of people plenty of people out there looking for reasons to dunk on sigmar here's yet another one um so i recommend reading it it's short it's quick but like it, it's got a lot of um a lot of heft a lot of weight to it inside so i do recommend it um yeah i guess that's all there is to say about it any other thoughts before we skedaddle no i'm glad we read it all right likewise good job noah all right it's time for our reforging chat with us anytime about your thoughts on twitter at the mortal realms davey where can they find you online I'm at red underscore Zeke, or if you want to talk Underworlds, at WTHCast. Excellent. I'm Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at DosEsos, or obviously at The Story Phase. And you can find all our Mortal Realms shows and content at www.themortalrealms.com. Welcome to the Pocket Realm, a Mortal Realm short story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path to the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the Realm Gates this episode are... I'm Davey, and on this podcast network, every day is Karenka Garogna Day. <laughs> and I'm Aaron, and I've got the second highest rating on this year podcast. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about Karenka Garogna. By Guy Haley. By Guy Haley. Yeah, that was definitely the harder part of that thing to say, is, <laughs> right. is the author's name. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I was definitely going to cut out my mix-up, but your joke was funny enough that I need to keep the joke in, which means yeah. I need to keep the mix-up in. Oh, garbage. What are we even doing here? Hey, <laughs> Davey, how are you? I'm doing all right. It is Adepticon Eve. Yeah. Or kind of. Morning of. Yeah, yeah. your your morning of so yeah exactly so that that places us in the in the where if of of the w's of our lives or and the when i'm sorry is uh morning <laughs> of adepticon man i am in rush i just i just want to get going right like i don't I'm really cramming this in here there's other things to do um but we figured before we could go before we could kick off this adepticon we needed to get in the mood so to yeah. speak and what better way to do that is to record a pocket realms talking about like i said krenka garagna by guy haley guy it in one um <laughs> unless that counts as two uh but before we get to that um 
let's in the, in the in the context of what we've been up to or what we've been preparing for. Hey, Davey, what have you been doing in the hobby lately? Uh, any any hobby you've done? Any games you've played? Any books you've read? Uh, a hobby I've done. I've been furiously painting my uh, Miari's purifiers with the hopes of using them in the Grand Clash. Um, and I can say of the paint job, they are definitely painted. Uh, <laughs> that's about the most charitable thing I can say about them. That's that's paint. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, sure does have paint on it. Uh, I wasn't trying to ship it in, but uh, just kind of didn't quite execute how I wanted. They're not terrible, but uh, it, it will not be my proudest moment. Um, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> and then I've done, uh, well, actually, uh, we'll talk about this more, but I got kind of excited about uh, Overlord, so did some reading through um just refreshing myself on background that was enjoyable and then uh on the other side doing uh doing a reading um i don't know if you've read any uh louise erdrich the roundhouse and stuff like that so, don't think so no it doesn't ring about um there's the night watchman is uh, my wife read that really liked it so i'm working on that now what about you? What you've been up to reading uh, or hobby wise? Yeah, hobby. What have I been doing? I've been putting together more daughter stuff. Um daughters of cane things. I gotta look at my uh, shelf there. Yeah, still <laughs> um I'm I'm gonna move on to the arrow snake girls, arrow girls um next. Mm, I think I'll start lore podcast folks. Yeah, you know the ones. <laughs> you all know the ones. Um so I'm just just assembling again more daughter stuff. Uh I was going to say in preparation of Arena of Shades coming out. By the time this episode gets edited, well, not, this preamble is more the spoiler than the actual Arena of Shades is coming. And so like, I want to work through those as well. So there'll be a hefty, hefty amount of daughters models in a box on my shelf, never to be looked at again. So that'll be, that'll be fun. As James Workshop intended. Yes. <laughs> oh god i know he's not gonna be there but how cool would it be if he wasn't i don't know. i'd want to talk to him um so uh books book what have i been reading oh i've, I've still been reading uh, the cragnose novel um by uh david geimer um paul really liked that a lot yeah and it is it is pretty good i think it, it may be one of geimer's best after animal car um wow. and let me tell you what I, I'm, I'm maybe three quarters of the way through, so I, I, this may fall on its face towards the end. I doubt it, but maybe it will. Um, it may even be a better story than Hamilcar. It's just that I happen to like Hamilcar as a person more than anybody. Whoa. Like but like okay. plot-wise, I think it, I think it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty tight. I think uh, there's the discussion we have this book club going on in the Discord, which can be found at www.themortalrealms.com/discord, um, where folks have been talking about the book as we read it. And I don't know that everyone necessarily agrees with me that it's a particularly tight plot but i don't care what they think <laughs> y'all are listening from this the big ab's um opinion and i think it's so far so good um so I'm, i really enjoyed it uh and then we're gonna have to i'm gonna have to start reading moon is a harsh the moon is a harsh mistress for book club i haven't started yet but i'll yeah. pick that one up as well that came highly recommended um games i played absolutely none which is going to be a bummer for whoever i have to play in the grand clash tomorrow <laughs> yeah um, and for, in, in some ways i'm like well maybe someone will get there early enough that we could sneak in a game ahead of time but like i don't you and phil are like you're going to show up right generally i mean almost right when it starts so there's gonna be no time for that either uh yeah. In advance, I'm sorry, first opponent. I apologize. <laughs> Ideally, second opponent, you just get what you get. Well, no, second opponent. Hopefully, they're they're bad enough that we're both um, at the bottom of the tables, and they, they like we, we'll des- we'll deserve each other at that point. So <laughs> that's what I'm gonna say to them. I'm gonna, that's what I'm gonna say to my second <laughs> round appointment. We you deserve this. <laughs> you you, you earned get. this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, again, punchy. Looking forward. To, 
uh, yeah. Adept Ken is my first one, so it'll be neat. Um, cool. If so, in my second game I'm playing you, I'm going to be really sad. <laughs> Jamie! Come, I'll come arms outstretched running across the hall. Jamie, teach me! Um, show me how. Furthermore, I think it's, I'm still going to try and use that deck that you sent, I think, months ago. It may not even oh. be legal anymore, so I have to... To figure out yeah okay oh we'll we'll uh we'll double check that okay. maybe i'll just oh. have to bring all my underworld stuff we don't have time for this conversation maybe i'll just bring all my underworld stuff and we'll make make it on the fly <laughs> F it we'll do it live um but there okay let's 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 get into this uh short story phase the story phase uh why we're all here um we're going to talk about krenka grogna by guy haley uh davy Leadison. The story phase. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the Nine Realms. Tales of the swashbuckling Caradron pirate Drecky Flint are told far and wide, and if they're not, he'll make sure to tell them himself. Classic. Sounds like some people I know in the mortal realms. Um, so <laughs> let's do our let's do our W's, our spoiler-free section, um, and we can lead with the why are we reading this? And I think mostly this might come down to you, Davey. So why are we reading this one? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to reverse that because, uh, you, you, uh, you read this and said, Hey, I think you would like this. Uh, Did I? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Well, okay. So maybe I said you'd like it. I don't know that that necessarily means that we're going to do an episode on it though. Yes. I suppose it probably does necessarily mean we're going to do an episode. Yeah. Um, so just, uh, wanted to check it out. been a while. I, I really do like the overlords as a faction. And so, uh, wanted to, wanted to give a gander to, uh, this character since he's, uh, He's in a few stories. I think it's a good sign when the the main character's name is like on the cover, like mm. title, 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 a uh, blank, blank, blank story. And that's in this case, it's uh, a Drecky Flint story. Um, he's already got, well, I guess this is kind of jumping to the hoop, but we might as well do it while we're talking about it. Um, so it, it's a, like I said, a Drecky Flint tale. And right off the bat, bing, 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 there's been three stories about him in the past, like six months or so, give or take. Yeah. Um, so they're they're really uh, I don't want to say hitting him hard, but it seems like this is going to be this, this is going to be a guy like this is going to be a dude in the mortal realms that we're going to see more of. Um, he's a crushing overlord. Uh, he hails from Barak Mornar, which is yeah. which is your fave, right? If I remember yeah. correctly, yeah, that's the uh, the shadow port, the one that is most flexible with the code. Yeah. Um, they've actually moved their whole skyport and nobody else knows where it's at. Sure. Cool. And they have to like escort you to it if you want to go. Yeah. Like right? they like fly you yeah. there. Um, which is kind of fun. And so in some ways I want to talk about him as if people know him because he's in like the audience knows him because he now has a couple stories to his name. This just happens to be the first time we're talking about him, but I don't think it's spoilers to, you know, give his spiel. He's a captain of this ace. Aisling or Aisling. Yeah, that feels, that feels good. Um, (laughs) and, uh, yeah, so he's a, he's a, he's kind of a gentleman pirate type. Or, you know, mm-hmm. just a swashbuckling, charismatic, uh, a little full of himself type dude. Uh, yeah. And because of that, we love to read. We, we love to read about him. So that, those are all the all these reasons why I recommended that Davey read it, and thus why we're here talking about him. Let's do. Let's give it a give a a, a nod to the when. Uh, when when does our story take place? Did anything jump out of you in terms of placing this in the timeline? I did not. I, I see you noted that it's at least after the necroquake, and I even missed that. What what made you confident it was after the necroquake? Yeah. So um, without spoiling what happens in the story, but there's there's a story within the story, uh, and in this story, the main character Drecky mentions that he's 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 looking backwards and. The story he was telling occurred after the Garak Torum or Cor- oh, Garak Tornum. Yes. Right. And that is the Dwarden word for the Necroquake. And Got so um, 
actually a little bit of a tidbit here. Well, I don't know if it has different, if they have different terms for it or different words for it, but that the spelling that they have in this book isn't exactly the same word that I found on the internet. And so I wonder if maybe there's mm-hmm. a mistake in transcription uh, or maybe the word's being changed. I don't know what it is. It just doesn't seem to line up exactly with at least what the, uh, the AOS wiki says. Um, because I tried Googling it. I'm like, I, I can't remember exactly what this word meant. Um, and it, no, no results popped up, which I understand we're in a niche here, but like <laughs> typically Google results do show. Uh, but I was able to do some digging and I think either it's just a variant spelling or maybe a mistake, but that doesn't matter. Sure. Hey, guy, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, so the story that he's telling all occurs in the past and it happens after the necroquake. So then obviously the present of this book, mm. that too, by uh, necessity, has to also occur after the necroquake. And then one other guess is um, there is mention of Hobgrotz in this book. And oh. I don't know if Hobgrotz is an example of something that we're just supposed to assume has always existed and like the characters have always known that they were around, even though there weren't models or like real like lore examples of them, or if the discovery of the Hobgrot places us in like a timeline. And, and you know, after X, Y, or Z time, people know that they exist now. I, I'm not exactly sure how AOS is playing it for that race. So maybe it has something, maybe it'll clue us into the timeline or maybe it makes no difference. I guess I don't, I don't know for sure. Will would know probably. He's a big Hobgrot guy. Uh, cool. Does that all make sense? Do you have any disagreements you want to fight me about it no i think i'm i think i'm solid on that i i can't believe i didn't pick up the hobgrotz thing that feels like a thing that would potentially place yeah. it or or maybe they've always or not about them. or not yeah 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 but. it's tough to say um but let's take a look at the where perhaps this one i'm even less certain about where it occurs mm, yeah where, it, where it's happening um my guess was shaman but i i don't know that i specifically have proof of that yeah i don't think there's a lot of and there's, there's kind of two wares, right? Um, yeah, I, right. I there's the two stories. Yeah. And so for the secondary story that he's telling, I'm pretty sure that is Shaman because we got, well, spoiler, there's there's flora and fauna that clue us into like the setting of his yes. story within a story. But who knows? The, mm. the main plot could be, could be anywhere, I think. Yes. Hey, audience, your guess is as good as mine as to where this is uh, taking place. Bottom line is we're not 100% sure and it actually doesn't really matter. No, definitely not. Um, the Who, we already talked about Drecky Flint. Is there any other Who thoughts? I mean, he's got a crew. He's got a Motley crew, which is like my favorite type of crew. Um, followed closely by a two live uh, crew. Oh, yeah. And then, um, but we'll we'll maybe get into those characters when we talk about the plot. Any other I'm Who's good. you want to bring up? No, I think I'm good there. And then any final what's? Uh, what are we doing waiting around here? Let's get Yeah, good job. Hey. All right. Touche. All right. Hey. <laughs> Listeners, we're going to start spoiling it. Be careful. Tread lightly. Here we go. Um, we open up in media res, and Drecky Flint and his crew are in a tough are in a tough bind. Literally bind. Mm. They are bound by some spider silk. They've been captured. Oh no, Davy. Um, how's the gang going to get out of this one? <laughs> uh, turns out they're, they they've been tied up uh, by a bunch of the columns uh, scuttlers, which. I'm sure Paul's eyes just lit up a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when I hear scuttlers, I often think of grot bag scuttlers, which are the like the goblin like pirate or the grot pirates. But these don't necessarily strike me as too piratey, right? Am, am I wrong or did I, am I miss? Am I Not especially in, they are specifically described as four legged. So, yeah. which, uh, oh God, is that what they were called in Silver Tower? Are those? They the were scutt- scuttlings. Scuttlings. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. So, I I was knives out fighting Paul over uh, scuttlers versus scuttlings. I was saying scuttlers is just referring to like the idea of scuttling a boat. 
Uh, and he's like, no, obviously they're spidery grots. Uh, and I was like, well, of course you think that you're Paul. Um, <laughs> It'd be weird so, if you didn't think that. I would be suspicious if you didn't think that. Yeah. Uh, here it uses the word scuttlers, but then it sounds like they look like scuttlings, sort of. Wait a sec. So does that mean he was right? <laughs> Actually, I, I, it pains me to to say, loath, it, but loath might. to admit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So it is the four four legged ones, like I think, like the silver tower looking dudes. Um, yeah. But, but they also caught these flying. Dwarden, which makes me wonder if, and they're called scuttlers, like the Grapag scuttlers. So maybe they're one in the same. That's wild. Who would have thought? I don't know. Um, but at any rate, uh, the crew's all tied up. They're in this cave. The Grats are um, making a stew. They're gonna, they're you throw a Dwarden in, into a pot of water, you got a stew going. Um, and they're, they're looking <laughs> looking forward to um, having having a snack. And the crew was left, Drecky specifically, uh, and a few other named folks on his uh, on his merry band of ne'er-do-wells to try and figure out how to try to escape i thought it was a little co- little convenient that like the main characters are the only ones who didn't have their mouths bound like i don't know if you're going to bind anyone either bind bind everyone or at least make sure the captain you know the plotters and the planners can keep their mouth shut but no uh, conveniently they were they were left uh to converse with only uh the occasional interjection of food no talk while they're sitting there hatching and formulating their plan trying to figure out how to escape um but i guess suppose if you were a grot you wouldn't necessarily get the impression that they were trying to plan their escape because the conversation does not seem to be planned like in any stretch of the imagination it's more of an argument hey what do they talk about Jamie? uh well they are we've got a, a few people in the conversation here so there's uh adram adramson right um yep. see him he is a member of the crew he's really kind of bemoaning their situation you know he he has that like join up he says see the world he says sort of you know fame and fortune look at me now i'm i'm about to get eaten by grats like classic why, why did i have to sign on with this crew um there's kedrin who is a uh who's actually a runesmith like he's a dispossessed kedrin grunson i think mm-hmm. a uh runesmith who signed on with this crew which is uh kind of unexpected or whatever so and then uh, i think those are the the them and drecky are, are the ones that do most of the talking so yeah there's an occasional um like the camera shifts to like a bound and gagged uh Duarte, like maybe on his head like whoop yeah. shrugging and like whoops or like that there's some non-verbal uh, involvement <laughs> yeah. or, you know con- contributions um but for the most part the words are spoken by these three uh characters yeah uh, had you read this story before or after the one where they had to find the lost Carrick? I am thinking about, I guess I read the lost Carrick first. Like we picked this and then I went and found the lost Carrick, read that, uh, and then went to this one. Gotcha. Cause it gives a little bit of, I mean, the slightest bit of insight to Kedrin's like involvement or like it it talks about how he's sort of an outsider to the crew. Like, cause like you said, he's this room smith uh but through bending of the code like he he joins up because there's probably strict rules about who can join a crew but they're able to like again bend those rules to have kedrin join up which is nice i mean he he offers a fun different perspective but um i guess to that point the argument is hey drecky how we get not you got us into this mess how you getting us how we getting out of here and of course drecky has the uh objection no i didn't get into this mess he points out you know the individuals on his crew who let him down um yeah. who was who was the watch at the prow who was at the yeah. wheel so and so is never going to be at my wheel again well yeah of course not he's dead um <laughs> but uh it's a lot of finger pointing a lot of arguments um Adrim 
is getting flustered uh, because it seems like all, he's he's a he's a, um, a sour, he's a he's a real sourpuss this guy. But also, it sounds like he's got a temper on him a little bit too, and yeah. it, he rightfully so is kind of feeling like maybe Drecky and Kedron are teaming up on him or not necessarily taking this as seriously as, seriously as they ought to. Kedron's kind of coming down on him from a from a but a, an elder perspective. Hey, you know, watch your tongue, sort of thing. This guy's your captain. Obey the code, uh, yeah. Drecky's poking and prodding uh, verbally uh, Adrim, um, getting his goat a little bit. Um, and this is basically how the first half of the story goes, this back and forth, the fun jibes, j- no, jabs and... Jabs and jibes and japes. Japes, yeah, also japes too, <laughs> uh, that, that, that are, are occurring. It's, at this point, for me, it was kind of hard to see where this is going. Like, actually, I take that back. I could see where the end result was because he was dropping clues as to like physically what was happening. Um, but I'm yeah. like, well, how are we going to get from there to here? Uh, I've still got like... 20 more pages left. Where, where, how are we filling this space? <laughs> we find out soon enough. Um, how did this conversation strike you, Damien? What, what stood out to you here? Um, well, there were a couple of things uh, that I enjoyed. Again, having um, having the runesmith in there, uh, Kedron, you know, tells Adamson, don't shame yourself in the eyes of the ancestors. Um, that That is a very sort of runesmith dispossessed uh, line to take. And then Adram is like, you know, what are the ancestors? What do they know about anything? You know, like, and that's, that's very much a Caradron sort of thing. Yeah. Like they, they're not as into the ancestors and gods as, uh, as the dispossessed or fire slayers are. So I liked, uh, I liked that they were able to kind of highlight some of that cultural difference. Um, what you're referencing with, uh, maybe seeing where it might be headed is, uh, uh, Drecky has noticed that, uh, that Adram is one of the things he's tied up. They're all tied up in different ways. Like they're chained and uh, spider silked. Uh, but uh, Adram is on this like rickety gangway plank structure of some kind. Uh, and as he moves about, um, it, it looks like it's, it's kind of fragile. So mm-hmm. um, that's uh, you start to get the idea that, that uh, maybe old Drecky's uh, firing him up on purpose. <laughs> poor, poor Adrian being the butt of you know these. He, I mean, I don't know if you, I don't know if you guys heard, but he 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 had the second highest rating at his uh, Arcanaut Academy <laughs> in Bark Mornar. So like he, I mean, he deserves a little bit more respect than he's getting from Drecky. Um, but eventually things get heated enough that Drecky decides. I don't know if it's a, a way to cool cool heads or because. Or this just moment just reminds him of a good story, and he's he's he'd be remiss if he didn't tell this good story to to his captive audience, basically, because we get the impression that folks generally don't like his stories. But if you're all tied up, you got nowhere to go, and so he's going to tell the tale of how he met Gord, his ogre buddy, who currently is nowhere to be found. So mm-hmm. he's got this like bodyguard, crewmate, ogre um, that you know was supposed to be protecting them, but uh, now that the crew's been tied up, he he ran off at the first sight of danger. Where could he have been? And Drecky thinks this is a great time. I, and I too think this is a great time to tell the story about Dre- how Drecky and Gord met. Yeah. Uh, flashback story right here. Yeah. Drecky's coming off as real cash about the whole situation. Like yeah. he's, he's does not seem to be worried. Um, and, and there's some, you know, they kind of set it up like, uh, he's like, you know, what would pass the time is a story. Let me, let me tell you a tale about, the greatest guy I know, me, you know, <laughs> uh, and there's some fun, you know, like, uh, I was just getting on, you know, getting to the Aisling, uh, or Aisling, Aisling. Um, and then, uh, you know, and of course I won that 
in this particular way, but that's a story for another day. And everyone's like, Ooh, like size, <laughs> close one. Uh, so it, it kind of sets this story up. Uh, it kind of pump fakes it a couple of times before landing on this particular one. Yeah, that's true. I like it. And I want to hear those stories too. I, I do. Yeah. I want to, I want to hear the story that in truth, like, I want to hear this, the story in which that he has to tell the story because I want to hear people's reaction to the stories that he's about to tell because that's almost as fun as the story itself. Yeah. Um, that was conf- a confusing sentence to get out, but um, it's it's the telling of the story is, is all very delightful. Yeah. So uh, we flash back to, you know, soon after the Necroquake, which is what I was saying before. Um, and he mentioned that like it was it was right after that Necroquake, there was there was Aether Gold abound to be found if you knew where to look. And so they were um, out hunting, trolling for it. Uh, but instead they come across a shoal of what type of fish? Silver something fish. What are you all called? Uh, silver fins. Yeah, silver fins. Um, and he says, look, I'm not normally a fisherman. Um, Aether Gold's where the money's at. But you know what? Uh, a A... I don't know, a valuable in front of you is better than the potential more valuable something, blah, blah. It was him butchering the a bird in the hand um, yeah. metaphor, uh, but it was in his own fun Karajan uh, way of saying it. Um, and so they decide they're going to they're gonna try and I don't know, harvest these silver fins as much as they can. And so they start chasing them. And so he's telling the story of how they dive and they dip and they dodge and they duck and they dive um, and try, trying to catch them. But, oh no, lo and behold... Uh, Drecky, uh, in the midst of this in this fishing expedition, he falls off his ship. Yeah, well, he's he's got specifically he was like, you know, so you're you're trying to imagine this, and what's fun is that it's him telling it. So mm-hmm. uh, as you might imagine, him is exactly how he describes it. I was directing things from the gunwale, gripping tight to the rigging, leaning out all heroic like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna say, like it's it's the telling that makes it the most. And honestly, the story itself isn't really all that gripping, but it's him telling the story is the is the more interesting part. Um, you can. If this were you know a show or a movie or something, you can picture how the 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 camera work would be different. You would see you would you know see how the camera focuses in on him, very dramatic angles all the time. Uh, his his voiceover, maybe his mouth moving while his voiceover talks. At this, I mean, it's just it's very it, he's trying to make a cinematic story, and you can see how how someone might do that you know in a visual medium, um, which is very cool. Uh, so the ship is veering left and right, chasing, you know, this, this fast moving, um, shoal of fish. Uh, and lo and behold, he, he, he plummets, he loses his grip because he doesn't have a parachute. He's not, he's not, uh, tied off in any way. Cause that would, where's the drama in that? And he plummets, uh, towards, towards the ground, but he has a couple of things that seem to save him in some ways. Number one, he falls through the school of fish. And since these things can fly and they're pretty sturdy themselves, he bounces from fish to fish to fish, banging his helmet on these metal silver fish as he uh plummets to the to the ground that arrests some of his fall um oh there's he hits a tree a lead birch tree which he says oh don't worry i mean don't worry it's it's sturdy but soft no it is not it is made of lead there's nothing soft about that tree you liar um but he hits this tree as he falls down and there's a third oh just the fact that they were close to the ground they had driven the fish to ground a little bit and so it wasn't as tall a fall so it's the combination of these three three things where he's able to survive his uh one might call a descent um and it, and it crashes uh, down below i think he mm-hmm. blacks out but what happens what happens then after that uh, he does black out he kind of comes to and uh he was already out of his suit and he's uh slapped in chains and held captive by a bunch of hobgrats no thank you yeah, and we do know know that uh hobgrats definitely traffic in slaves so um he he can expect a, a 
particular outcome about this situation. In some ways, very similar to the situation he finds in the present day, right? He's tied up at the mercy of these uh, green or maybe yellow skins. Um, How is he going to get out of this sticky situation? Right. What does he do, Davey? Tell me about it. He is sitting there and uh, he looks over and there is uh, someone else there, Gord, uh, an ogre. Uh, So they kind of make an introduction, um, trying to figure out how uh how they each ended up there and he's like uh hey look bud uh, i've got a lock pick hidden on me but uh if i'm unarmed on my own in the middle of this camp it's kind of a, a problem for me what if i got you out as well and we team up uh and that is the the daring plan they by and large develops <laughs> he says something in fact he's like yeah I've, I, let me tell you about my plan because i've always got a plan and the plan <laughs> is this how about i set you free and you go kill those dudes. <laughs> End of <Yeah>. plan. <laughs> uh, Gord says, what's in it for me? And he says, I'll tell you what, you can eat every last one of them. And Gord's like, are you sure? And like, he's like, yeah, dude, totally. He's like, all right, deal. I can, I can make this happen. Uh, yeah. uh, Drake, pulls out that lockpick from his like beard or his helmet or something. I know he's got it hidden somewhere. Pulls out, unmanacles himself, unmanacles Gord, points to the Habra uh, camp and lets him loose. And Gord, I was going to say manhandles him, but let's say, Ogre handles them uh, right. and, and wipes most of them out. I think some of them run away, but that's irrelevant to the point. Um, and that was the start of a beautiful friendship. Drecky says, hey, look, do you want to keep doing that for me if I keep paying you? And, and Gord's like, yeah, I got nothing else going on. Sure. Um, and thus, the, a, a timeless friendship was born, um, <laughs> which it's, fu- it's fun because the entirety of the story isn't, I mean, it's not boring, but it's not the most gripping of tales, but like, it, it's Drecky making an attempt to like ham it up a little bit, embellish, yeah. um, make it a little bit more dramatic in the telling. And so it was a believable story that he was, he was uh, telling uh, in the moment. Um, anything else about the story? Grab you. Um, no, I was, I mean, I had met Gord before. And so it was kind of fun to fill in some of the background. Like how, how did this guy end up with an ogre on his crew? So mm-hmm. uh, having, having read some of the other stories. So yeah, that, that gets in. You're like, well, what, exactly was the purpose of of telling this story which is also a question that adram adramson has yeah it's like <laughs> what is going on why would you talk about this right now like wh- what's what's up with this uh and then uh, uh Drecky's like well you missed the moral didn't you I'm like what do you mean the moral like <laughs> you fell out of a boat and got out of there so what was the moral well the moral is that Drecky always gets out he always has i mean i guess always has a plan or he always, nothing can keep him locked for too long he always he always can escape um yeah you can't keep the man down or by that case the dwarden down um we skipped a major step and it's my fault because i was moving a little quick um but, but i think in some ways one of the reasons he was even telling the story in the first part is because i think Adram had already announced that he wanted to invoke the title of this book, which is mm. uh, the the Krenka Goragna, which I think is maybe just a fancy title for like a mutiny or like a you know a, a, a captain, change. like a lack of confidence vote. Yeah, so really, yeah ex- a- exactly. And so it was yeah. in the midst of this, Drecky being offended uh, as well, say, um, is why uh, also contributed to him wanting to tell this story that like you think you can you think you can do this better. Here, let me show you how great I am, and this is how I got my crew together. So thing and then uh and then after the story he says look you have no right to try and um do this you know lack of confidence both this this krenka uh grogna um yeah everybody here loves me and the people are bound and they can't like object or <laughs> yeah he's like yeah like, we'll, we'll take a vote right now and like 
Rune Smith is like, yeah, he's good. And other guys are like, he's definitely saying. Yeah, Jeff loves it. Um, it's a hard yes right there. Totally. Texas uh, size 10-4 from this guy. <laughs> That's great. Uh, and, 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 and then he uses this as a launching off point to really start digging into Andrew. And, and he starts, you know, insulting his second rating uh, from the Arcanaut Academy of Arc. Mornar, he talks about how useless and awful he is. He'd never be able to, uh, you know, cut it as a captain. And this is, again, where he lays it on real thick. Um, yeah. And that is enough to drive uh, Adram. Adram, nope, the name wasn't in front of me, it's gone. Um, to drive him into a little bit of a rage where he lunges um, from his bindings. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a good moment, like right when he's almost doing it, like Drake is like, oh no, look out, he's trying to escape. <laughs> and like, <laughs> Which served a purpose because it drew the grot to like the edge. And I think that was on part, like he needed the grot to come because it was going to fall off the top or get, yeah. get crushed under the riggings or something. Anyways, it seemed intentional um, and brought the whole thing down. He's, he's pinned under all this wreckage, but um, that, what did it allow him to do? Cause he still used his lock. Pick. Oh no. Cause the, the grot, that's what it was. The grot lost his knife. He could yeah. send uh, his buddy over there to get the knife to cut, to start cutting the silk behind him. The audience, you can't see, but I'm pantomiming cutting <laughs> bindings behind yes. my back right it's now. It's very, very realistic. Yeah. So real. This is such a, it's like a 3d, <laughs> experience um and they use that as as a way to qu try and quickly escape before the rest of the the grots come return who had wandered off to parts unknown looking for like firewood or something um mm. they have a, a, a kind of i'm gonna i'm gonna overstate it by saying they have a heartfelt re reconciliation edrum said yeah. hey you didn't really mean all that did you and greg is like <laughs> no i mean you are kind of a uh whiny b, <laughs> b word but like other than that like, it's we're fine um and it's around that time it's fun he does the classic and it, it should be right about now or right about now when uh you can hear the sound of um gourd barreling through uh the grot the grot camp um yeah you know the, dragging the, people with them the grots are singing on their like they're singing a, a chow time song and it, it <laughs> devolves into a whole bunch of screaming you know, like yeah right on right on cue so yeah exactly um and uh so Gord kind of comes to the rescue, though they've already freed themselves. So I don't know how much of a rescue it is. They start putting on their gear. They talk about how um, uh, what are the little snotlings uh, have been like mucking with all their like gear and like I don't know defecating in boots and stuff. Um, so everyone's like, "Ooh, this is gross!" But they still they still suit up uh, in preparation yeah. for like another wave of uh, grots to come. They've got their ogre. They've got their guns. Um, the the bad guys don't or never knew what hit them. Um, and I think that brings us to the end of the story. Did we miss anything, Damien? Uh, no, I, I there there's one moment where you're like, oh, like because he's he's just so supremely confident throughout. But there's one moment where like he can hear the scene getting pretty loud. He's like, whoa, it's gonna be tight. Like yeah. while always trying to finish the lock pick and all that. I think at one point he gives what. Like, I think it says something like he gives a winning, you know, a confident smile, but like yeah. he doesn't mean the confident smile. I think it's like early in the story, maybe, or maybe I've dreamt it, but like the idea is that yeah. no, he's, he puts on a show for being completely confident and like, maybe he's halfway that confident, but yeah, he, he knows that it's a touch and go thing sometimes. So, yeah. um, he's not, he's not oblivious. He's, he's aware of what's going on. So that's pretty cool. Um, all right. Well, there is the story in a is in a nutshell, defined nutshell. Um, do you have any uh, thoughts or questions you want to bring up before I ask some of the standard ones? Uh, no, let's let's jump on the standards if I have All something right. to bring. My favorite one, Davey. <laughs> who, is your, who is your MVP? Who is your all-star this here story? My, uh, my MVP uh, is selected as often I do, like someone I can kind of identify with. I can't wait. Um, 
mine mine actually doesn't get a name it is the uh scuttler who's trying to cook and also <laughs> keep an eye on them food no uh, talk yeah uh because i i do that a lot around the house where i'm like trying to keep an eye on the kids but also get dinner ready but then like uh, the, the moment they got him for me is the, uh, as he goes to like intimidate, he's like, I'll, I'll cut your throat. And he like brandishes a knife like this and accidentally does draw blood on himself. He's like, Oh snap. I'm like, uh, so such a, such a supremely botched intimidation, uh, feels <laughs> like if I, if I tried to be real intimidating, I'd kind of execute at that level. So, I'm intimidated by you. That uh, makes you feel better. <laughs> uh, the, uh, unnamed, uh, Scuttler cook slash guard is, is my guy. <laughs> He's pretty good. Uh, I want to, not that your answer isn't real or that somehow my answer is more real than your answer, but I'll give a real answer. And that is, I think my favorite. Not that it's a contest, but, uh, <laughs> but you won. So. Yeah. Um, I really, I, I do like Drecky. Well, let's put a pin in that. I think my favorite is maybe Kedron because like he, he is interesting in that he's in some ways a fish out of water. Not, I mean, not really. He, he, he comes from a different background, but he seems to have adapted very well, at least in the couple yeah. stories that I've read with him in them. Uh, he's adapted to his like new setting and his new crew. And so he sort of brings the old with the new a little bit. Like he doesn't, mm-hmm. he feels like an outsider, but like an integrated outsider, like a piece that has been grafted on. Um, sure. And so I think that's very cool. You don't necessarily get a lot of that in the Karadrin I don't know whether it's the stories or, you know, the books that we've read, they seem very, uh, despite the fact that they talk about like the individualism a lot for them or like, you know, rising through the ranks on your own, um, merits and things of that nature. They, and they have their own personalities and things. I, I I would say it's just that they have this such like different thing, this, this outside thing with them. Um, they seem so very uniform, at least in their presentation. And they have, I can, I can already picture what the ship looks like and what this guy looks like on the deck. He's probably wearing his armor and his, you know, arms and things. Maybe he has like a little mouth breeder or something, but like he's, <laughs> he's not decked out in the same way that the Karadran are. And so I think that's just a cool visual, a cool scene. I like that he, he really um, has a leg on, he's on the ship. He, he's aware of the code, but like he still talks about the elders and like he, he seems like he would probably be like a, uh, like a little bit of a conscience uh, for them or like the, the Duarden equivalent of a, of a, you know, a, a Jiminy Cricket on their shoulders in some way, reminding them of, you know, their history and where they came from. Well, at the same time, I'm sure they blow him off constantly and have no interest in the, you know, that history lesson that he's constantly trying to give them. So I think it's a really cool idea is maybe uh, what I'm getting at. Yeah. Not to take two answers. I do like Drecky too, but I think, Dave, I was thinking about this before while I was setting this all up this morning is I think I have a type. Um, <laughs> and that my favorite stories or my favorite characters are like the confident, like swagger guys. They're, they're just like the most fun to read. The Hamilcars. Sure. The, yeah, this, um, this guy totally gives off Hamilcar vibes. Yeah. yeah. And so... I don't, I can't, I can't, I can't keep picking those guys as my favorite because again, that's just, it's just redundant. And so he's now like the third guy that I've come across that is, that is sort of like that. It's not that I'm tired of it. I love him. And I like to, in fact, I only want to read, read stories about people just like that, but it's just, I won't keep using them as my favorite per se. Sure. Um, yeah. I want to see like every race's version of this swagger confidence um, person, what, what it sort of looks like. So, yeah, if you, if you're, you know, obviously these are two similar types. If you were to distinguish the two, um, besides the fact that one is a Stormcast and one is a Caradron, like what what uh, what differentiates the two? Uh, would you say Hamilcar versus Drecky? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I think you know. I don't have a good answer. I mean, let's. I, I would focus maybe on the lockpick that he has stored on him. Like, what does that say mm. about him? Because yeah. you wouldn't picture that Hamilcar would ever have a lockpick on him. You don't think that was he, he, Hamilcar doesn't necessarily have that 
I'm on a forethought. Like I would say Hamilcar solves the problems as they come or like he solves the problem in front of him. And I don't think he would ever have the forethought or foresight to keep a lockpick in his beard. Whereas Drecky does. And what does that say about Drecky? In that like he knows maybe he's going to get into tight scrapes and the only way he's going to get out of them if he if he has like some sort of modicum of preparation that I don't know that Hamilcar has. Yeah, I think they're both supremely boastful and Hamilcar is boastful of like his physical prowess and Drecky is uh, more relying on sort of wits uh, yeah, to, true. to get him through things. Their, their, their stat allocation uh, is a little different. And, and I both think, went high on charisma. Yeah, but then it's whatever their secondary is, is next. I think I think Drecky would brag about how tight the scrapes he has gotten in, like how, how desperate some of those would seem. Whereas I, sometimes I think maybe Hamilcar would, t- would never make it seem like it was ever a hard thing that he ever solved. Like he would never build up well that's not necessarily true but i i feel like he would maybe downplay the difficulty of the things that he's done whereas drecky would be like oh man it was a tight one we almost (laughs) by skin of our teeth sort of thing um yeah it's maybe a a slight difference i would identify but good question though i like that um cool what did did we learn anything about the mortal realms that we didn't know before what do you think i mean maybe (laughs) are are scuttlers scuttlings (laughs) yeah that's (laughs) true did i I learn that paul was right all along oh god um, I can never release this episode. Now I have to bury it. <laughs> I'll, I'll rec- we'll record it. I'll record it on physical media, and then I'll dig a grave for it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, we'll we'll see there. Uh, but those those four legged grots are still around. It, it turns out so. That's true. They, they didn't just uh, disappear into the silver tower. So, hmm. um, which if they did, that would make. I mean, it wouldn't be surprising. Like. Yeah, of all the places to disappear. I guess I didn't know much about the silverfin fish. That seems new, or yeah. to me, anyways. Yeah, I, the the sort of sky fauna are described a few times in a few different spots in the in the couple of Overlord's army books, but uh, not. I don't remember seeing anything that detailed about silver fins. Mm-hmm. No, 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 too much more. Um, and then finally, recommendations for other stories. David, do you got any recommendations? I mean, I think the obvious is uh, the Lost Carrick, mm-hmm. which is a, another Drecky Flint, and then uh, White Dwarf issue four seventy. Four seventy. That probably makes more sense. Debut tale of Drecky Flint. So yeah, it's it's four seventy. I can't remember what it's called, and honestly, I'm forgetting what it's even about. This doesn't make for a good um, video. They are they're in a different. There's a, a Slayer is trying to track him down. Hmm. Oh, I must not have read that one actually. Then so Ooh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I sent um, to you, but I did not read. Yeah, there's a there's a fire slayer uh, who's who's trying to get his hands on Drecky Flint. Mm. He has a bit of a grudge against him. So. I bet that's not easy. I bet it's not easy to get your hands <laughs> on Drecky Flint. All right, that's pretty cool. Um, I don't have any other recommendations other than like I guess maybe there's been other Karajan Overlord stories that if if this were your first KO exposure, which I uh, the chances of that are slim, but maybe um, you could read the Overlords of the Iron Dragon. And its sequel, um, there, and there's been a whole bunch of different stories. Buyer Beware was another KO story. Um, ship Rats. Ship Rats, which is, I think, related to the Overlords of the Iron Dragon. So there's there's actually been a fair number of, actually, more so than most of the newer races, there's been more KO stories, um, yeah, I would say. So point. you have your pick. You got, you got options out there, uh, dear listeners. Um, all right. Any other thoughts before we review it and then get out of here? Um, just, uh, here's a, here's, and this will kind of roll into my review a bit, but, mm-hmm. uh, what did you think about him being Barrack Mornar? Like, did he, 
did I, you, I'm, I think I've, it's safe to say I've probably read more about these guys than you have in general, like Ouch. read the I army book, <laughs> but, uh, do you, do you feel like the sky fleet, uh, that, that the fact that he was Barrack Mornar was differentiated very well or. I don't know that he seems like he would be any, any other Barrack Moore. <laughs> Nar. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, um, I, so if I had to pick one, I guess I would pick that one because if he was going to be more of a pirate, it seems like his 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 bending of both morals, but then also the code seems a bit to be a bit more obvious. Mm-hmm. And I know other barracks are are more sticklers for that sort of stuff. I mean, not all of them, and not all the time. But like, if I had, if one of them sort of exemplified that, I feel like more art would be it. Um, I don't get the impression that. Like, you know, when you think of that, they're in the, they're in Ogu, they're all shadowy and secretive, like shadowy, secretive, none of those things seem to describe him specifically, but that doesn't, I mean, I'm sure the entire barrack isn't spooky and sneaky and like secretive. And like, so I think he exemplifies maybe some of the character traits, but by no means is he like the poster child for what Mornar, for what I've gathered Mornar to be. Um, Yeah. What do you think? uh, I'm in with you. I feel like he could have fit in just about any, any Beric, like I would have believed, except maybe like Beric Thring is Thring the is, is the super traditionalist mm-hmm. one, so that that wouldn't have been a good match. But the the way that he bends a code, it feels like a way that many would. Sure, uh, that's true. Like they they all are trying to rules, rules lawyer each other. The overlords, like mm-hmm. they, it's uh well actually, yeah, exactly. Uh, so it it didn't seem. It didn't seem like he didn't fit in Mornar, but it also didn't seem like he fit there any different than any other. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's, uh, you know, you read the army book and you, you read a lot about how sinister the, they, they seem. Um, but I don't feel like I've had much representation of that in the books. Um, gotcha. this guy's much more like, a uh, Duarte and Errol Flynn, mm-hmm. which is super fun. Yeah, um, I like it. But, uh, I, I might've made him from somewhere else. I wonder, I wonder if we need to spend more time with them and like, maybe he needs context amongst like other ko or like yeah steeped in more ko-ness for us to really yeah. compare and contrast to something different like he's out there with his own crew sort of yeah. devoid of um that relational ship to the like ko yeah. at large and maybe that would make it more clear uh, and going i'd forward. love to see him interact with uh uh other mornar uh captains and, yeah. and uh crews or you know head back and have some of that it, it talked on briefly um talking where he, he mentions uh how i think like the admiral council gave him granted him the use of the ailsling which he had captured and he's like it wasn't really theirs to give but to be fair it wasn't really mine either so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, and that was then a story for another day and i was like "Ooh, i want that story exactly or it was like a, the court battle or something that they had to like it was a battle of you know uh, bureaucracy, yeah, I mean, that, bureaucracy and things you know? right that that story i figure uh you know he, there's the story of how he captured it but then like the <laughs> the courtroom drama of how he uh yeah. managed to hang on to the legal Objection. rights to it or something mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah that is that is fun so i i i understand your point um i I don't, it doesn't seem like he doesn't belong there, but I don't know that he, he seems like he belongs there more than any other place with the exception of Thring, which doesn't really count. Um, I agree. Yeah. Um, I liked it when the ogre said, Hey, are you sure you don't want to eat these dudes? And he's like, no, I'm, I'm full. Uh, and <laughs> he's like, Oh, okay. you're looking pretty skinny though. You should probably, but that was just a fun aside I'd written down. Um, all right, let's do the review. Do you have anything else to, or get into if how you like the book? Um, if you please. My, my only other comment is Gord is a very polite ogre, like super polite. So, 
Um, that's kind of scratching, scratching his hairy chin. He's like, yeah, I suppose <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> I'll go for it. Uh, and I don't remember if it was this or in one of the other stories where Gordis specifically referred to as a first mate. On this. Oh. I, was like, I was like, whoa, what? I mean, that, that seemed shocking a little bit. Like I can see having around your crew. It, I mean, tell me more about how Gord is bright enough to be the first mate or maybe just big enough to be, yeah, I was gonna say, or was maybe, maybe doesn't want to review, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's part of the deal. Yeah. Uh, but a review, uh, I found it very enjoyable. I found a few things where you just had to like be along for the ride. Um, uh, like if it's rickety enough, rickety enough, like couldn't you just be like, Hey, Adrian, like, why don't you just Hulk out for a second? Like, I think if you try really hard, you can break that. You know what I mean? Like, it's a little goofy that like the only way, you know, the only way he can be strong enough is if he's super duper mad. I like, I think like fear of being eaten might get him some pretty good motivation. Too. My only thought is, would it surprise you to think that Drecky would prefer it do this to, to do it this way because he just flat out would enjoy it more? Like it's just, oh, it's, yeah. it's no, more absolutely. fun for him to do it this way. This is, yeah. this is a better story for, for the end. Um, yeah. uh, I, I enjoy Drecky's signs. Like even at the end when, when they're kind of like, Hey, we're good. We're good. Uh, Adram, Adram's like, uh, that's fair enough. And Drecky like cups his hand to his ear, like, uh, fair enough, Captain. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, oh, nice. Classic. Uh, um, so that was, that was good. Uh, I think the other, uh, so I mentioned that one, like, why is it that he needed to make a man? And the other was like, well, if Gord was coming anyway, like, like Gord, Gord was going to plow through that crowd of grots pretty quick. I guess maybe you wanted to, you didn't want that one to panic and shiv them all hmm. uh, before Gord could get there. But felt like Gord was maybe 95% of the rescue plan. And the, the <laughs> <Yeah>. other, <laughs> possibly. Again, but in my mind, it's Drekkie's like, he's just looking to kill time. Yeah. Or he's like, how do we make this more fun for me? Uh, and that's sure. how we're going to go about it. So and yeah, yeah. it's plans within plans. Or you know, he's, He doesn't seem the sort to have like idle hands in any given moment. So this is how he thought he would, you know, best occupy himself. Yeah. Either telling stories or uh, messing with his crew. Sure. I like him. Um, but to that effect, I will give it, uh, I think I'll give it, say six out of nine uh, original articles of the Keratin Code. Okay. All right. Very cool. Um, cool. I Let's think. Uh, I also enjoyed it. I'm liking this, I'm liking this Drecky, Drecky Flynn guy. I'd, I'd mentioned the fact that his, 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 Charisma and arrogance reminds me of other characters in the mortal realms, but I am not sick of that character type yet. I may mm. one day, uh, but today is not that day. Um, so I'm, I'm all for it. it. It's, it's, this isn't the only character type. This isn't the only type of character that can exist out there, but I feel like sometimes mortal realms stories or age of Sigmar stories, the characters can be sometimes flat. And so like, if you can give me a big boisterous person, like give it a little bit of 3d, give it a little bit of, you know, fun uh in the tale mm -hmm. and it's not just all doom and gloom and you know for sigmar and it's just sort of flat paper characters um I, you, you can go back to this well as many times as you want and i'm, I'm and i'm here for it um yeah so there's that I, and it, it what is the story if not uh, a character inside into drecky flynn like right that's he is the story um here mm -hmm. so that is delightful the plot is almost secondary the like even to the point where he was telling the story of his you know his escapades it's it doesn't matter what had happened it was you're here to hear him tell you a story uh, which is the fun part so i did enjoy that um 
So on all, all in all, I recommended, or maybe I recommended in the context of all the Drecky Flynn stories. I like continuity. I like repeat characters. I like seeing how different people get into different scrapes yeah. or situations. I'm a sucker for that. And so if you're going to keep writing Drecky Flynn stories, I'm going to keep reading them. So I'm interested to see where this goes. I wonder if there'll be a novel, like these are all leading up to something and then maybe there'll sure. be a bigger story in the future. I hope so. That would be cool. That'd um, be cool. I'd also love like just a set of short stories. Oh like, yeah, I like true, true. And I think it's... Guy Haley, who did the Prince Mesa stuff, and that never culminated in a novel. It was mm. always short, short stories. Yeah. So maybe the same thing is going to happen here. I guess I shouldn't expect something bigger. Um, yeah. So the the more the merrier. That doesn't make any sense, but uh, that's how <laughs> I feel. Uh, in terms of rating, I will give it maybe uh, 75,000 out of 100,000 silver, what are they called? Silver fins. Silver fins. Silver fins, yeah. So, yeah, that sounds like a good solid, good solid rating uh, system. Yeah. I had to look it up because I knew he called out the number at one point. Um, so yeah, just a, it's it's just an enjoyable read. It's not super long. Like it it uh, there's not as much action, but I feel like that's been a theme for a lot of the short stories we've been reading. Like maybe quick bouts of you know violences or stomping on some grots, but uh, it's more the it's more the back and forth, the dialogue, the the character insights, which um, I I'm growing to like even more and more as time goes on. So. That's yep. where I'm at. Any final thoughts before we close it out? Negative. Awesome. It's time for our reforging. Chat with us anytime about your thoughts on Twitter uh, at the Mortal Realms. And Davey, where can they find you online? Uh, at red underscore Zeke or at WTHcast if you want to talk underworlds. And they do. Uh, and I'm Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at DosAsos uh, and listen to the story phase. And then you can find all our Mortal Realms shows and content at www.themortalrealms.com. Thank you.